What's up, everyone? Welcome to the show, the American Nomad Podcast. I am your host, Rav Holly. I want to apologize. We're running a few minutes late here. I uh, actually have my second camera set up because I got a guest today. So I was going to have my other old second view. I spent all the time getting the software set up, getting everything set up. And then I got into here and I forgot how to add the second camera in this software here. So. I was scrambling there at the very last. I spent all the time to get it all set up on the tripod. I had to re-download the software to the new computer that's never been downloaded. And then there was a version issue because the version I paid for is an older version. So they wanted to charge me more money. I didn't want to pay more money. I just wanted the version that I used before that worked. So I had to install the new version, update the or reinstall the older version and I started on it about an hour and a half ago, thought I'd uh, have my other second, uh, you know, my other second view that I used to use back here, but it uh, didn't work, couldn't get it to work, so just couldn't remember how to add that second camera, I know you can do it, I just can't remember how to do it, so anyway, it's one of those deals, you know, that's the way it goes in these technological issues. What's going on, Trav, man, good to see you. Yeah, that's how it always goes, man, especially for me. Uh, it's just so irritating because I like got everything set up and, you know, I've for the last hour, that's what I've been doing is getting this other camera set up. So I was going to go to the other camera to give you guys like that a whole. Some of you that remember the back in the day, I used to have the two cameras set up and uh, I haven't used done, done that in quite some time. But I thought today I would do that and spend the time to get it all set up and. I cannot for the life of me remember how you put the two cameras into this system. But anyway, we're going to have a guest on today, so I'm excited about that. Uh, and uh, she just popped into the green room, so I see that she's here. So uh, got a little treat for you guys today. It's not going to just be uh, just us. Let's see who we got in the chat so far. We got Random Nomad. We got Trav Man. Great to see you guys. The green light idea was pretty cool for a green screen. Yeah, I uh, did that for a while. I haven't used a green screen in quite some time, but I did the green screen thing for a while. Anyway, uh, if you remember last week or last, yeah, last week, uh, we talked a little bit about the Britney Spears saga that's going on. Uh, it's really, it's going on a lot of, uh, lot. it's going around the circles and, the local area here in LA, a lot of people in the industry are talking about it. Just a lot of people are talking about it. Other celebrities are talking about it. Uh, Paris Hilton is talking about it a lot, which Paris used to be good friends with Brittany and run around with her a lot. So there's a lot of being discussed about it. The reason I feel compelled to talk about it is I was hanging around with Brittany right around the time her conservative conservatorship started. So, um, I had a couple of conversations with her when, uh, that was all going on and I was going to go through today, kind of tell you guys how I met Brittany and how this all transpired. I've never said anything about it. Uh, never said anything really much about how, even knowing Brittany and hanging out with Brittany. Um, and how I met her. So I thought today I might jump into that a little bit and let you guys know. Uh, it was a time when I moved to California. I, th I think the time is around 2008, 
2009, I believe. And I had moved to California. I worked for a sports agency, a mixed martial arts sports, mixed martial arts sports agency as an on-staff photographer. And then I kind of had a little bit of a falling out with the uh, owner of the company. So I left and uh, moved to Long Beach and was uh, scrambling, trying to find something else to do to pay my rent. Uh, lo and behold, because I'm a photographer, uh, I had already put a few feelers out there and I had somebody tell me that there was somebody that they knew that was making really good money as a photographer and I should get a hold to him because he might be able to hook me up. Long story short, I got a hold of the guy and the guy's name was Adnan and uh, he was basically a pap, what they call a paparazzi. Uh, and that's what he did for a living. Uh, so I got a hold of him and that's where he was making his money and he was making a lot of money. And one of the subjects that he had been photographing, lo and behold, was Britney Spears. And right around the time I'd met him, they had just started dating. I didn't know it when I initially met him, but I soon found out because it was, you know, it was on the TV and the internet and all the gossip sites. And so a couple of times when I was with him, he was with Brittany, if that makes sense. So after they were dating, and that's actually how I got introduced to Brittany Spears was through her boyfriend. She was dating at the time, whose name was Adnod, Adnod, Adnan, I can't remember. A-D-E-N-A-N, if I, Adnan, if I remember right. And uh, he was originally from Iraq, Iran, some one of those Middle Eastern countries. Uh, and the main thing that I knew that he let me know was that uh, got dog hair on me. I was carrying my dog earlier. He let me know that uh, right away that, you know, it was not uh, that it was a rocky relationship with him and Brit because Brittany's family did not like him at all. And he had kind of a shady, uh, I mean, he had some, his reputation, let me just say, wasn't pristine. Let me just say that. And like I said, he was a, he was a paparazzi. Uh, he had, sh he showed me uh, where he was making up to $30,000 a photo for certain photos that he was getting of certain celebrities, which at that time absolutely blew my mind. I never knew that the paps were getting that much for their photos. You know, he showed me like a couple of photos he had sold a week. Uh, each one of them for one for like 22,000 and another one for like $30,000. It made like $50,000 in a week. So I was, I was a little bit flabbergasted by that because I had no idea those guys were making that kind of money. So that was very interesting to me, but then going out there with him and seeing how that whole situation worked and how you just had to run from place to place and you had to like camp at places and wait for celebrities and, there was a lot to it, but the mo the thing that really, I that that really it just the moralistic val uh, value to it just wasn't my thing. So basically, I never did it. I did it for maybe like a week and just realized that you know the money wasn't worth it to me and kind of backed out of it. So, but in that time, I actually had a couple of conversations with Britney Spears because Adnan was dating her at the time. And I wonder where he is. I know he, I'm pretty sure he still lives in Seal Beach. <clears throat> Even after they stopped dating, I still seen him a few times because I was working at a, uh, 
I worked at a very nice restaurant in Long Beach, California called Tantalum. And after even after Brittany and him broke up, he would come to Tantalum because I was the head of security and I could get him a table. So he would come into the he would come into the restaurant, uh, which is a very nice restaurant and bar on uh, Friday and Saturday night. So I seen him. Uh, we never really spoke much, uh, when I would see him at the restaurant and stuff, I would just get him, you know, he would mention my name at the door. I'd get him in, get him a table and stuff, and he would be good to go. Um, and, but I just don't know. I've got the feeling that the way he just backed out of the picture really quickly that, um, I feel like there was probably some monetary, uh, some monetary exchange there from probably Brittany's estate or something like that, because I knew her family did not like him. Uh, as they somewhat pretty much despised him. So, and I always kind of felt like Brittany dated him just to kind of despite her family. So anyway, we're going to get our guest in here. Uh, she's a lot prettier to look at than I am. So, uh, I don't know what I'm doing here just sitting here rambling on instead of letting her in here. I can see her in the green room. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce you guys to this girl and really quick. I'm going to tell you, you guys hear me talking about clubhouse and I've done, I don't know how many podcasts on clubhouse back the last year. I met this girl on clubhouse. That's how we met. So just for those of you who don't know, uh, she's not on the application anymore. Like me, we saw some things kind of like I saw with a pap thing that I didn't like about that application. And I think she's kind of gotten off. I've kind of gotten off in some pretty much. But anyway, without further ado, it's Tiny Blonde Kelly. Let's see if we can get at her to the stream here. There she is. Let's see if we can hear her. We can't hear your mic. Let's see. It says you're muted. See your mic right there? It says you're muted. There we go. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Loud. Perfect. It sounds like a, it sounds like a Verizon commercial. Yeah. <laughs> can you hear me now? Good. My now? dog just decided right now. She's like, I want to play. So she's oh, all that's excited. Exact, that's the way it always goes. <laughs> so if you can yeah. hear it in the background, I apologize. With mine, he sleeps over there all the time. And then uh, I'll get ready to do the show and he'll come scratch my leg, telling me he needs to go to the bathroom. So I always mm -hmm. usually try to take him out before the show. And then today I was running. I was like, oh, no, I hope he doesn't like need to go to the bathroom, like right in the middle of the show here. Yeah, I took her out and then she's like, she's sleeping. And I think she was like, because it's later here. It's 10 o'clock here. And now she's all hyped up because she saw me getting ready. And I think she thought I was going to go out. But are you, are you in uh, Miami still? I am. So I'm here. I don't know if it's going to be permanent. I'm going to try to move back to Los Angeles. It's kind of just where I can get a job at this point. Um, I hear that. But it, but everything's opened up over there, right? Is it everything oh, yeah. hiring? I mean, I mean, COVID doesn't exist here. Yeah. Is but that a Blue Yeti? What microphone is that? Blue Yeti, yes. Yeah, nice. I love my Blue Yeti. <laughs> yeah. Right on. Um, background, I met Rav, yes, I, I'm on Clubhouse back in like February, like when it first uh -huh. opened up. And I think after a week, I was like, I'm always over it. But we actually had a mutual friend, a very good mutual friend, yeah. which the odds we of do. this person, <laughs> it was like... It's crazy, crazy small world. So yeah, thank you that, for letting me on. Somebody that I know, I've known, I've known Ronnie. We won't give away his last name, but I know I've known Ronnie uh, since he was Jesus. He was probably 19, 18 or nineteen, and he was living in New York and going to school. And uh, I, 
I know his sister, his older sister, Marina, very well. Do you know Marina? I don't know Marina. No, yeah, I know Marina very well. That's how I met Ronnie was through his sister, Marina. Gotcha. We, she, Marina was a bartender at the bar. I was a bouncer at. Gotcha. So I was the head bouncer. And that's how I met Ronnie because when Ronnie would come in from New York, he would end up being, uh, he would come just sit on the stool. It was so funny while his sister bartended and, and, yeah. and the, and the first, he couldn't even drink. He wasn't old enough to drink, but we'd let him sit in the bar. It was funny. Ronnie, <laughs> I and just then, recently saw him. We were talking about yeah. you. He was like, I and then can't later, you met Rav. I was like, yeah. And then, and then later on, he ends up uh, being a bartender. I don't know if he ever was a bartender at Shannon. I think he was a bartender at Shannon. He worked yeah. at Shannon's, yeah. yeah. And then he ends up being, that's the bar I'm talking about is Shannon's on Pine. Shannon's about, yep, because yeah. uh, that's how he met my group of friends, and that's how they all became friends. And then I met him through them, through them. So his older sister, Marina, was, we all kind of opened that bar. I was about five months after the grand opening, but we all worked there in the beginning uh, of Shannon's when it first opened. God, you, can you hear me? My, I just had something come up on my screen saying my mic was unplugged. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, we hear you fine. But yeah, for a second, it showed your mic uh, mute or something. Yeah, just wanted to check that. I yeah, saw a little issue with this mic. Sometimes it's it's really sensitive. So it, if you touch it the wrong way or if it moves, my dog just hit the table. It kind of goes uh, a little uh, wonky. Yeah, yeah. So I'm careful of that. But anyway. Yeah. Thank you for having me on tonight. I'm very excited to be here. I oh, I can't see anyone else, but I, I hope there's other people. Um, yeah. yeah, we've got, uh, let's see, we got a couple of people in the chat. We got a uh, random nomad. Uh, we got Trav, man, a couple of guys that are always pretty much every show I do. They're pretty much here. They're two of my, well, Trav man's been MIA. I think he's been working and stuff, but random nomads always here almost every, every day. And uh, before, <laughs> Before I got demonetized, I was really religious about the show. And then I got demonetized. So I kind of took a break from it because that kind of took, uh, you know, the paycheck out of it. So, mm -hmm. but then I just said, you know what? I still enjoy doing it. So I'm just going to keep doing it. So there you go. Uh, Random Nomad says, we can see you. So I guess that's all that matters. <laughs> okay, good. Hi, guys. <laughs> so actually, so, you had mentioned the Britney thing. Actually, Christina mm -hmm. Aguilera had posted something like, within the last hour, like a long, she went on Twitter on a huge Twitter rant. Wow. Um, I didn't see that. I'll you just read, have Brit it, have you, it up. You know, Brittany Lynn Spears, her sister, uh, I'm mean, not Brittany Lynn. Well, Jamie Lynn. Jamie Lynn Spears, her sister made a statement earlier today and that she supported, she supported her sister. Well, it's funny because like maybe a month or two ago, when the whole Hulu thing came out, she came out and was against it. And she was like, you guys don't know the behind the scenes. Like, you don't know what's really going on. And you, I'm sure there's some truth to it. I'm sure there is, as you said, there's something that we don't see that, you right. know, the up and down. Um, I have a sibling who has traumatic brain injury from when we were children. And so right. he has one, but he's also very self-sufficient. Like his conservatorship is nothing like Britney's. Yeah. And, you know, he can't hold a job. He has to do Uber Eats and DoorDash to support himself. And he does very well. Yeah. But I mean, she, I mean, she can I mean, make money. She can hold, hold a family. And the difference between that is like, you see people who, you know, like him, for example, you know, he'll never necessarily have a family. I mean, he might hit or miss, but um, she can have all those things. Yeah, and right. so that's where it's like, she is in prison. And so for her sister to come out and say, you know, you guys don't know this, the story behind it. And then now change the narrative and say, you know, I support my sister. 
Well, it's like, are you supporting your sister because now you're facing backlash or are you supporting her because. And and it's because so many other celebrities now are coming out as well. And now her sister's made a statement. So now if she doesn't support her sister, she looks like a ass for not supporting her sister. So, cause she can see where this is going, yeah. but go ahead and read the Christina Aguilera thing. And then I'm going to give a little bit more insight to what I know. And when I talk to Brittany and stuff, so go ahead and read that. So Kelly. she posted a photo of them. They look like they're like maybe 12. I would say this is probably back when they were doing Mickey Mouse Club. That's what the photo looks like. And it says, these past few days, I've been thinking about Brittany and everything that she is going through. It is unacceptable that any woman or human wanting to be in control of their own destiny might not be allowed to live their life as they wish. She went on to say, and this is like a series of tweets. So she wanted to say, to be silenced, ignored, bullied, or denied, support by those close to you is the most depleting, devastating, and demeaning thing imaginable. The mental harm, uh, the harmful mental and emotional damage this can take on a human spirit is nothing to be taken lightly. Every woman must have their right to her own body, her own reproductive system, her own privacy, her own space, and her own healing and happiness. While I'm not behind the closed doors of this very layered and personal yet public conversation, all I can do is share from my own heart on what I've seen, read, and heard in the media. The conviction and desperation of this plea for freedom leads me to believe that this person I once knew has been living without compassion or decency from those in control. To a woman who has worked under conditions and pressure unimaginable to most, I promise you she deserves all of the freedom possible to live her happiest life. My heart goes out to Brittany. She deserves all the true love and support in the world. So, you know, I'm sure that there is a level of sides we don't see. Hope we lost your mic. There it is. It's not to say that, you know, she just shouldn't be to the point where she can't choose the cobblers of her cupboards like that's unheard of so so back when i was hanging out with her ex-boyfriend Ad adnan um there was he we him and i had a couple of discussions about britney and what was going on with her because he was telling me that uh he was basically just tell I, you know the, uh, one thing i forgot to say i meant to say earlier is i don't know why he isn't coming out and saying something because I've looked for him to come out because he used to be such a media whore and he loved being in the, you know, in the spotlight and being on TMZ or I don't even know if it was TMZ back then. It was like the Inquirer or something like that. I didn't think it was TMZ was around then, but he loved, you know, being in the spotlight. He loved being with Britney because all the cameras were on him for a change when he had been a pap paparazzi for, you know, years. So it's weird that he doesn't come out. So the only thing I can think, and that's one reason I've never come out because I've I've figured that he was going to because it's more his place to say something. It is my place because he knows a hundred times more about it than I do. Everything I got that I know, he pretty much fed through me. And then I had a couple of short conversations with Brittany, but not anything long and detailed because he was kind of super jealous. So he didn't leave her alone. You know, there's a couple of times when we were, all together, three together, and then he had to go to the restroom, and then me and Brittany would kind of make small talk. And it came up that she had been diagnosed recently at that time with uh, dementia. And they thought that, uh, and Adnan thought that that's, they were using that just to try to get Brittany away from him. So the conservatorship thing was already in the works when I knew when, when I was in the picture and it was basically 
it was basically, uh, you know, and not, and not telling me that that was, you know, he was just telling me that they're going to, they're trying to get him to put in jail and, and that he was, uh, you know, they were using this conservatorship thing to get Brittany away from him because they wanted Brittany away from him. So he was saying something about the conservatorship. And then there was a couple of other things that they were doing, you know, trying to get like a restraining order against him and stuff. But I guess the, the best way that they could go about it was this conservatorship thing. And so Adnan actually was like, it was like this, uh, thing she really didn't need, but it was a way for them to legally remove her from his life is the way he was telling me. So I never really looked at it going very long. You know, once it went into effect, I heard about it and it was after I didn't never see Brittany again. Another thing is like when Brittany and I first started talking, one thing I do remember, it's so long ago, I don't remember like intricate details or just little things that I remember about it. And I do remember that Twitter had not been around that long. And that's how she followed me because I said, I asked her, I said, are you on Twitter? And she goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. She goes, how do you, she goes, do you use it? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I said, it's pretty cool. Have you used it? She goes, I don't really use it. I kind of look at it, but I have it. She goes, and, and it was all set up for me and it's there. And I'm like, you should follow me. And she goes, okay. And so she followed me. So for like 10 years or whatever, since Twitter's been around, Brittany's been following me forever. And it's always been like a thing I'd show people at parties and stuff. You know, I had somebody telling me they were bragging about a celebrity <laughs> that a celebrity that followed them. And it was like, uh, one of the kids from Jersey shore or something, you know what I mean? And I'm like, well, look who follows me, you know, cause it tells you if somebody follows you, you can look at your Twitter and it'll say follows you. So it was always kind of a little, you know, party gag for me more than anything after, uh, but when, Brittany first followed me. We actually communicated a little bit through tweet, through Twitter, uh, through the DMS. And then that only lasted maybe a week and it was just small talk stuff. You know what I mean? Like, Hey, how's your Twitter going? You know, it's kind of that kind of thing. It was nothing in detail or, you know, anything like that. But the other thing I wanted to touch on really quick is because, uh, when the conservatorship thing came in, I, like I said, I thought that was a way that Jamie, uh, who is, um, Brittany's dad who hated Adnan. I mean, they despised Adnan. So I thought they were using that to get Brittany away from Adnan. That's what they were basically doing. And, uh, because they knew Brittany wouldn't just leave him. So something happened because Brittany flip-flopped overnight, like Adnan, like was out of the picture and then you didn't hear, see, and Adnan didn't see her. Cause I talked to Adnan. I'm like, have you seen Brittany? No, they took her away from me, man. I, I can't even talk to her. I can't even, they changed her number, everything. I was like, wow, that's crazy. And then, but Adnan and I did have a conversation one time, uh, when Brittany wasn't around and he told me that she was having these episodes and I was like, huh? Like, what do you mean episode? He's like, I don't know, man. It's just like, uh, she has these things, these, these episodes. And, uh, the craziest thing about it is when she was having these episodes that as much as Adnan knew that Brittany's dad despised him when she would have these little episodes. And I didn't go ask him in detail, like what kind of episodes or anything, but he let me know that when she would have these little episodes, the only thing he could do, Adnan could do was call her dad. Like her dad was the only person that could come get her and get her back to reality or, you know, I don't know. Bring you know, her back to. Yeah. So yeah. I knew something was going on there. I try not to be a nosy person. So I didn't like, you know, try to ask for any detail or anything. But then when the conservatorship thing went into effect, 
it all, I always went back to, I don't know what kind of episodes that she's having. Her and I had talked about her being, uh, being uh, diagnosed with dementia because I've never said this publicly and only maybe two or three people in the world know this. I was diagnosed with dementia in my early thirties. I had a stroke in my early thirties and spent a year, my ex-wife, who was my wife at the time, taking care of me and nursing me back to health. And I had to kind of learn how to walk and talk again. And, uh, and, uh, you know, the doctor said I would probably never get back to, I think they said 75% maybe of, you know, I might be able to get back to 75%. I like to think I've gotten back to probably about 90, 95%, I think maybe 97. Uh, but I do still have, you know, like people don't understand when they look at me because the things I do, I mean, I can, you know, run this whole podcast stuff that a lot of people come in here and go, Holy crap, man, how do you do all this? You know what I mean? But I can put things together because it's my, my mind is sharp. Mm -hmm. where my dementia comes in and, and what I see is I see it getting worse over time or I see, you know, and uh, it's not getting leaps and bounds worse, but I notice little things like, Oh shit. Like this is like, Hmm. And a lot of it is like uh, it's hard to explain to people. Like I have a friend of mine that's a celebrity and he literally does not believe it. A lot of people in my own family actually thought I was faking what happened to me. You know what I mean? They thought I faked like, because I did come back, you know, after I couldn't talk and walk and stuff, I actually did, you know, I got my cognizant, you know, where I could function again and be on my own. Cause my wife literally took care of me for a year. She had to take me to traction. I had to go to traction where I did like physical therapy, all that stuff. Uh, and I didn't walk real well. And now I ride a one wheel around, you know what I mean? But the dementia is, um, it gets me where it's, it's hard to explain it. So like, so here's something like, <clears throat> this is, a, this is a perfect example of, of things that happened to me. So like, uh, it was a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago now. And see, that's another thing is I don't have real good concepts of time. Does that make sense? Like I something. <laughs> Yeah, I, that's what everybody always says. But but like, if you have dementia, like one thing, like something I'll do is because it's short term memory for me. And most of the time, it's short term memory. So I can remember things. I can remember things from a long time ago, but I might not be able to remember in detail what I did five minutes ago. Does that make sense? Yeah. The things that I do now is like, um, you know, I've like, I've like went out to grab lunch and then come back to my office and I sat down in my chair and then five minutes later, I'm like, damn, I'm hungry. I should go get lunch. And I go mm. get lunch. And then I come back and I realize, Oh shit, I'd already went to get lunch. I have it sitting here. So I go buy the same thing twice. Does that kind of make sense? You you're breaking up. You're breaking up. Oh, honest girl. Breaking. Yeah. Your connection. Mm, still muted. My mic. Can you hear me now? Yeah. We hear you now. Don't worry. Okay. Hey, you're fitting right in because nobody has more technical difficulties yeah. than I do. So I was, right was going to say, it's funny you mentioned uh, the hunger and the short-term memory loss because those are in the same part of the brain. So when you're affected by that and you have brain damage, it's, it, those, that happens. So people forget that they're hungry and they keep eating. And actually, people tend to put on weight that way when they have brain damage. And um, see, I'm, I'm right the opposite. I forget that I forget to eat. 
if that mm. makes sense. Yeah. So I used to eat three or four, or, you know, like three times a day. And now I usually eat once a day because I can only, I can only remember like, oh shit, I haven't eaten. Like there's some days, like last Friday was one of them that I did not eat, but because I couldn't remember if I did eat. Does that make sense? Oh, we lost you again. My mic. And we lost you again. That better? Can you? <laughs> Is it just your USB connection to your laptop? It's like if it. I think it's. I think I gotta take the mic back, honestly, and have them fix it because to the uh, laptop it's fine. It's into the microphone. Oh, it's where it plugs in. That it like is so finicky. But yeah, um, there's, some, there's something called NAD plus. You should look into it. And I can't remember what it stands for, but it's you can either you can get pills for it, like um, oral, or you can get injections or an IV. Now the IV is like a five-hour IV drip. A lot of celebrities actually do it. Um, to name one, Scott Disick does it. It helps for regenerating the uh, brain cells that you've lost. So a lot oh, of yeah. athletes do it. Um, if you've ever, you know, people who've done a lot of drugs tend to do it. People with head injuries, traumatic brain injuries, it helps yeah, a been ton. A yeah. So look into that. That's okay. something that might help regenerate those brain cells that you've lost to bring some of that back, or at least to stop the damage that can go further. Um, I looked at like taking like the oral stuff, like alpha brain and stuff like that. And, and yeah. I, uh, I, I did order some, it's super, it was super expensive. So I don't expensive. know. I don't know how much it is now, but it was crazy expensive, but I took it and, um, I don't know that it made me feel, I mean, I don't know that it helped my memory. What it did do was it made me alert. You know what yeah. I mean? I felt really alert. You know, I felt really like on top of things and alert, but I don't know that it actually, you know, helped my memory, but it did really make me feel alert. Because sometimes, you know, I feel like I'm kind of, I think all of us go through that. You can be tired or whatever, and you kind of feel like you're dazed or kind of living the day through a fog or something like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, it just kind of clears all that any of that away where you just feel like you're, you know, you're really alert and, you know, you really know what's going on and you're motivated to get stuff done. I liked it, but it was just too freaking expensive. Yeah. The um, NAD is pretty, I mean, the, the pills aren't super expensive depending upon where you go to, of course, in Los Angeles, it's like, cause a lot of the celebrities do it. They jack the price up right. you can look online and find places that'll sell you the melts for mm. like a, a very decent price, but that regenerates a lot of things. I'll have to um, look into that. But like it, a perfect example, another perfect example is I was sitting there looking at your Instagram at your, I was looking at your Instagram at your podcast page and I would have to get out of it to type because I, I did that. I did that flyer thing, that advertisement thing. I did it on my phone. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So I, I would get out and as soon as I would get out, I would start talking because it's a little box on your phone. So it's a pain in the ass to do it. And I was not in the office at the time. So I was just doing it on my phone through Canva. And I was like trying to type. And every time I type, I'd be like, now, wait a minute, what's the name of the podcast? And I would go back into the podcast. I would look at the name and I would go back and I couldn't remember the name. Does that make sense? <laughs> By the time I, I would look at the name. I would go back to that little template. And then I was like, shit, what was the name again? And I couldn't remember. I, I did it like three times. And then sure enough, I went in and I put the wrong, you know, I put uh, it's uh, it's medium rare millennials, which I can remember now because <laughs> I, 
on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I put medium fried millennials, you know what I mean? Just because, <laughs> but that's the kind of short-term memory that I have short-term memory things I have problems with. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like uh, names, like sometimes people will, will send me like a, a piece of, you know, a piece, a pa- piece of paper that has to be filled out, like a PDF thing. You have to fill it out with like a PDF thing. And I'm trying to remember like a, and you have to flip back and through from another page to another page. That kind of stuff kills me because mm-hmm. once I leave that page, I can't remember. And if you can't look at the other page, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if I can take a page and put it up on one screen and have this on this, then I'm good. And I can just look at this one and, and write it down. But if I have to leave that page to go to this page and transfer that information, but when I close that page, information's gone. It leaves my brain. And then I have to open the page back up and look at the information again and try to remember really quick or write it down physically and then on a piece of paper and then transfer it over. It's a pain in the ass. But that's all stuff I didn't have to do, you know, before. Well, uh, it's it's interesting you say that. And then earlier you had said something about Adnan, and I'm going to go back to this, that her family didn't like him. And despite, you know, getting everything away from him. I wonder, obviously we're not there. And look, the diagnosis, who knows at this point if it's real or not, but who knows what he knew to be true versus what they knew and what she could handle. And even though she needed her dad, you know, it's like how much did they milk all of those things to To exacerbate? Well, and just to use it, you know, just to use that leverage so that, you know, she only needs her dad. Um, I had Googled something while you were talking about that, and she had filed a restraining order. You said like it just flipped out of nowhere. And you wonder how much of that, because you said also that he kind of just disappeared, and you, you know how much was that? Was it paid off? Like you, you know stuff, so we'll keep you quiet. Like here's some hush money, which is just so sad because even so, like you had said, your you know your ex wife had helped you with a lot of stuff, and you're at what you would say is ninety percent. You know, most people heal from that. And when she has a team of doctors, she's going oh, yeah. through this stuff. Her, she can all afford. Years. Yeah, all these she, years. Oh, 100%. She could have afforded to heal anything at this but, point. But so, the other thing was, is like the reason my dementia came on, what I didn't understand is like her and I, her, Brittany and I had this conversation because I, I admitted to her that she told me that they were trying to, that they were saying that she was, or she had recently been diagnosed with dementia. And I was like, what? I said, I have dementia. She's like, what? So there was like a, oh, wow. It's us moment. Like who would, you know, what, what are the odds of that? You right. know what I mean? And then she was asking me questions. Like, and I told her, I said, well, I had a stroke. And, uh, when I was like 31 or 32 and that, you know, that's what brought it on. So but, but for her, and it was all stress induced because yeah. it was like after 9-11 and a business I'd been working on, working my ass off for the last four years. I was traveling like 250 days out of the year. I was traveling thousands of miles and I was driving. I had to drive all over the United States for this company that I'd built. And then when 9-11 happened, it basically just wiped my company out overnight. So I went from making, you know, there was days I'd make $3,000. So I went from making like $3,000 in a couple of days or a day or two days to zilch, you know what I mean? And had all of this. And then you don't realize how much you've accumulated in overhead until there's no money coming in to pay that overhead. And then you're like, holy shit, we started looking at how much our bills were. And we ended up having to file bankruptcy. 
uh, which for is like seventy five thousand dollars. We were like in almost thir- early thirties. Yeah, we're going to oh. lose our house. I just bought a brand new boat. I mean, I had a brand new boat, and yeah, it was just a, it was a mess. So it was basically just, uh, I think it was stress induced because I, I, I had all these nice things that I liked that I thought that was the meaning of life at the time, you know, when you're young like that and you, and I'd really worked hard to accumulate, uh, and get to where I was and then just kind of have the rug like pulled out from underneath you and, you know, the bank calling you that they're going to start coming to get in your, you know, your stuff. And so it was just a, and then the main thing was our house that we had had for years and that, you know, we had all this equity in the house and they were going to try to foreclose on the house. And yeah, it was a mess. And, and so, strokes can happen at any time to anyone for any reason. I, my that, grandfather had a stroke. Uh, I have I mean, family all, members that had it in their thirties too. It's it, like yeah. genetic predisposure, but also you're right. Like stress can do it. I mean, that's all I can figure out that happened. I mean, it had to, it had to have been stress, but I was under so much stress at the time. I mean, Overwhel- I was, yeah, being you know, I was overwhelmed, overwhelmed with everything. Cause I had, I had a wife, two kids, you know, two well, small boys. You look at Brittany, it's like, she has everyone on her face. She couldn't, she couldn't find peace anywhere. But, she couldn't but, go anywhere. She couldn't do anything. She was watched 24 seven already. But and that then was, she probably had postpartum, which it, but, it can trigger mental illness. It can, but, those things can trigger the recipe was, for disaster. That was actually her question though. She's like, you had a stroke. I've never had anything like that. So why are they diagnosing me with dementia? And I think like you just nailed it. I think what it was is I think she had postpartum depression. And she didn't realize it. And, and I don't know for a fact that she actually has dementia. It might've been the, the depression that was bringing on her lack of mental awareness. It it may really not be dementia. So, but they've held her in this conservatorship now for all of these years. They gave her lithium. Because, and so I talked about, did you listen to my last podcast? I sent it to you. I did. Yes, I did. I I think a lot of it, and I blame the state of California and this is on California, dude. This is why California is so, hold on, let me see if I can find my. Of the many reasons. Oh, it's not working. (laughs) My freaking, my uh, voice mod changer is not working. I have a beeper. So when I cuss, it doesn't, you can't hear it. See what's going on here. But um, yeah, I just don't. uh, what was I saying? The state of California is corrupt. Oh, yeah, the, the state of California is so corrupt. And uh, it's the reason is I think everybody has held Brittany in this conservatorship for this long is one, they can control her. Her family doesn't have to worry about her because they got her under their thumb. Uh, and now I will say her family was very worried about her at that time. Like they really thought she could end up dead kind of, oh, they were, they were scared. She, she was, she was, you know, cause she was having, she shaved her head. She was having these outburst things and it was very, you've seen it in the media. I mean, she had this meltdown in the media, but. She also probably well, been used and abused by many yeah. people and on so, the way. So, to her, where she so was. Her, her family was, was very worried about her at the time that the conservatorship went into effect. But I think over the years, They've all gotten comfortable with this. Even the state of California is looking at all the bills, all the lawyers she's keeping employed, all of the the money that's coming into the court system. Uh, her father's getting sixteen thousand dollars a month as to be the head of her conservatorship. Are you shitting me? That's right. sixteen thousand a month. That's insane. 
he should have been getting maybe five, six, seven max, but 16,000, she's paying for all this stuff. That's why they keep putting her out there like a show pony to keep working because this conservatorship has to be paid for. These bills have to be paid for. If she doesn't perform, those conservatorship bills don't get paid. It's one big scam, in my opinion. Doctors, lawyers, politicians, yep. everyone involved, the family. I mean, Kevin Federline's probably getting money. Oh yeah, he's probably getting. Uh, he's probably getting freaking. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, alimony. Child, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Child support, alimony. I mean, yeah. she hasn't seen when, her kids in a really long time. Back she, when I talked to Brittany, she was going. She was going through a really hard time because if I want, I want to say if I remember right, at that time, uh, Kevin Federline. I can't remember. He had gotten the kids away from her. He had gotten a, uh, he had, he had been granted full custody of their, of their kids. So she had no access to their kids. And that's what brought on the whole, she had to go into an ambulance if I remember. And she was put on a 5150 or whatever yeah, the hell they the call it. Yeah. For, and it was because he was keeping her kids from her. And then she got the kids at one time because of the court appointed visitation and then she didn't return them or she wouldn't return them. And it just blew up into this whole mess. And, uh, I think like we're, I was talking in the last podcast, she's 39 years old. It's not like she's a kid anymore. It's time for her to be free and live her life. And I guarantee you the reason this is finally coming up and she's finally grown the balls to really go after this is because she's in love. She has a new boyfriend and she wants to do stuff with her boyfriend and they won't even let her ride in the car with her boyfriend. I think it's even beyond that though. I think it's social media. I mean, it's, it's been a thing for a while. She'd it, gone on, what'd you say? Two years ago, she wasn't heard. I think, I think, it's, I think she's been crying out through her, yeah. like, her Instagram and stuff, like giving, giving hints. Like I, you know, I would hear about this stuff and I'd kind of look into it and I followed Brittany's Instagram and stuff. And I just kind of felt like she was mentally breaking down. Does that make sense? When I would look at her Instagram and stuff and I would hear this whole Britney movement and stuff and I'd kind of look at it and I'd think to myself, well, you guys don't really know that, you know, there has been things. But I think after listening to her, she's very articulate when she was reading that stuff. She wrote all that stuff out. She's plenty capable of taking care of herself. Exactly. But if, but if you listen to her court thing three times, she said this, I want to be able to ride in the car with my boyfriend. It's them keeping her from having a real relationship with her boyfriend. I think that's really stemmed her forward because as soon as she did that court thing, you know what she did? What? She hopped on a private jet and went to Hawaii. Her and her boyfriend's in Hawaii right now. I did not know that. By themselves. Which, good for her. I mean. Good for her. Somebody yeah. who can give that speech. I don't know if she wrote it. I'm sure she did. I'm sure no, she did. No, I think it. she did. Yeah. I'm sure she had to put she stuttered, I think, once or twice. She was probably nervous. Oh, yeah, yeah. And But uh, someone who needs a full conservatorship would never be able to articulate that. Exactly. Period. Would exactly. never be able to nope. speak in front of the people that she did, knowing that it was going to go public. She would never on any planet be able to say any like a third of what she was able to articulate in that speech. And that alone should be enough proof for the court to be like, she doesn't need... You know, maybe she needs to be checked on every now and then, but like, come on to have for her to say that and to be able to do that speaks volumes. Exactly. In and of itself. 
Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's just time, you know what I mean? And the thing is with her father is, like I said, he was like the only one that could come and get her, but they've always had a tumultuous relationship, which I never understood. Like, why did her mother not become the head of her conservative ship? Because, you know, I don't know if you know this. When Brittany was growing up, he wasn't in the picture very much. No, he wasn't. Yeah, he she was wasn't. the one taking her everywhere. Her mom yeah. took her to Mickey Mouse Club, took her to everything under the sun. It wasn't until she well, started was, making money that her dad stepped well, in. Well, her mother wasn't always there either. They they actually hired a chaperone. She had gonna, a chaperone that took her around for years. Yes, the one lady that was with her for everything. Oh, I can't think of her name. She has dark hair. Yeah. yeah. And uh, she was like a friend of the family or something, if I remember right. Like a cousin of was, the mom, I think. Yeah, she's the one that took that basically took care of Brittany and took her everywhere that Brittany had to go uh, for years because her parents were actually working in uh, Louisiana or wherever they're from. And I think even she had come out and said, "I've known Brittany through everything that happened, and I don't think she need, I don't think she needed this. I just think she mm -hmm. needed someone to give her some love." Yeah, I actually like, watched I watched the uh, Hulu documentary, the New York Times one, uh, yeah. Saturday, I think it was, Saturday or Sunday, and I'd never seen it, and it it jogged a lot of things loose in my mind that I'd actually forgot about, and that was one of them, that Brittany had had that girl, that lady that was her, she basically took Brittany everywhere she had to go, and when, we're talking about when Brittany was like 17, 18 years old, she was like her chaperone. And then the other thing that uh, I remember back during conversations was Brittany was very adamant that everything was going to be fine with her because she had her own attorney. And I remember, or I saw in that documentary that they made that the judge, the judge ixnayed her having her own attorney. So that is the corruption to me from the get go. Cause she should, if, if you, can know that you need your own attorney or want your own attorney, you goddamn sure should be able to have your own attorney. And for me, I don't know who that judge was, but that's a corruption. That's state corruption. You that's hear in your Miranda happens. rights. You have a right to an attorney. You hear, shit only you, like, you hear shit only like that in California. Cause she should be able to have her own attorney. And, and they, the judge uh, told her she couldn't have her own attorney and did a coin appointed attorney. You know why? Because but, guess who guess who gets paid right, for right. the state? Yeah. Yep. It's just a racket. It's a complete racket. And I feel like this whole time that the state of California has just been complacent because of all the money that's be, that Britney Spears has been generating for it to keep this conservatorship going for all of these years. It's got to be millions and millions of dollars. Millions. Like I've, I've millions. Heard, I've heard that she's estimated, and you never can take these. You kind of, kind of, you have to kind of take them for a grain of salt because I know celebrities that I look up their net worth and I talk to them and they'll tell me, you know, like, yeah, it's they're way off, either up or down. You know what I mean? But they're usually not right on. Right. But they estimated Britney's worth like sixty million dollars. She should be worth like three or four hundred million dollars. Are you kidding me? Well, she look at everything they spent on. Yeah, but but it's because of that conservatorship. That conservatorship right. has has it's literally sucked her, dry. sucked her dry. It's probably taken over half of her money, her wealth. 
at least over half. She had a residency in Vegas that was the most popular residency in Vegas for years. That makes you millions and millions and millions of dollars. I think uh, one of that. I think that documentary said she was making thirty three thousand dollars a show. Yeah, I mean she was making a million, or she was depositing a million dollars a week. Stupid money, and they put it all in the bracket. Hopefully. This eventually will go to the Court of Appeals if the state of California doesn't overturn it. And then she can sue everyone. And all of those people should be in jail. Everyone all should of, be in all of them. But but the state of California should too. And they're gonna they'll you know they'll they'll skate on everything. This is all gonna blow up on the family, which it should. But I but my whole thing is I think the state of California is just as guilty as anybody. 100%. I think they've overlooked this and just yeah. let it run, you know, ride on. Uh you know, because of the money. I think the whole thing is a racket just because the money that Britney's been generating. I think nobody wants that money started coming in. Jamie Spears, her dad goes, well, I ain't got to work no more. Right. You know, in that documentary, it said that like one lady that was like an agent or something. She goes, the only thing I, she goes, I never met uh, Jamie Spears one time. And she was like one of the people like Britney's agent or something when she was a child. She goes, I never met. I, I met uh, her mom. Her mom's just as sweet as she could be and worked so hard for Brittany, but I never met, I never met Brittany's dad. The only thing that I remember about Brittany's dad is one time he goes, my daughter's going to be so rich. She's going to buy me a boat or a house or something. You know, it's like, he's going to buy me a new boat or some shit like that. I was like, yep, that's. And then in the last few years, I think he had sold her childhood home and is living in an R an RV, but it's like a really nice, nice RV. Like, come on, who are you? Who are you kidding, sir? You're not fooling anybody. But, but it does make me wonder, like, where, what did he do with all that? Where's all that money at? Right. If he had sold that home, where's the money? So I saw pictures of the home um, when it was like right before it was sold. And like, he had a home gym. At one time he had a gym in the house, like people from the town could come and like pay a membership to come to the gym. So he had like a home gym, like the ceiling tiles are falling down and, you know, it looked like it looked, you know, dilapidated. Like, and if he's getting $16,000 a month, where's that money going? Right. It doesn't even make any sense. And, and, And he may have a nice RV and I'm into RV. So I know he's probably got like a big 40 foot motor coach. That he probably paid a half a million or even a million dollars for. And it's decked out, I'm sure. It's probably decked out. But what and I'm he's saying, probably got a driver. I bet he has a yeah. driver. And, but he probably got probably three or four hundred thousand dollars from their or more from their home that sold. So I'm still asking, like, where's that money at? Where what has he done with all that money? I mean, has it been bad investments that he's lost it? Or I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Or the only other thing is what we might find out is that he's been saving that you, cause he's an old country boy. So you never know, like, cause you, you know, sometimes, you know, in past I've had friends and stuff and people would be talking that their dad's being nefarious about stuff and, you know, stealing money or whatever. And then you find out down the road that no, he wasn't even using that money. He was putting it all in a bank account for his kids. So they could get it back when he dies. You know what I mean? So that's actually a possibility because he's not living lavishly though. Even if he's got like a half a million dollar motorhome, he's still living in a motorhome and he sold their house, their family house. For what reason? Why did he sell that house? That doesn't even make sense. You know what I mean? Like why? It's paid no for. No idea. Why sell the house and move for. into it? Why move Could to it? Could have fixed it up. 
yeah, why move into an RV? So there's, there's way more to the story than what we know. And well, he I'm, wants to appear that he's living frugally. I mean, true. We don't know. But as like he said, as a country boy, he could just be burying the money in the back. Well, I guess he doesn't have a backyard now, but I, hypothetically speaking, you can put putting it in accounts elsewhere. Or um, he's, invest, he's invested in stuff that he's lost his ass. You know, he's got yeah. friends and stuff that's asking him for money. Cause the problem is when you start, when you get money, people start, as soon as you come up and have money, people start just out of nowhere asking you for money, family, friends, everybody comes out of the woodwork asking you for money. So who knows if he's made some bad investments over the years, who knows, but you know, there's millions of dollars that, I mean, at one at one time, or they said when he first took over the conservatorship, he was supposed to have gotten like one point two million dollars as a, as a chunk payment. So where's all that money at? Also, all the people that he's paid off, though, you have to think yeah. of it that way. He, he might be just be paying himself last because he's got to pay, you know, him, her, this person, that person, this person, that person for whatever favors. Who knows? Maybe he's the one that's crazy and is on drugs. Could be. <laughs> it's could possible. Be. Definitely could be. You don't know. The the other thing though is Brittany has a brother. I can't remember what his name is. She has a brother. An older brother, a, I think. He's a he's a pretty level headed guy. And I never understood like I think he did a podcast or something, but I never understood like why he hasn't came out more. But then you know the a lot of times siblings will just leave it to the parents to take care of these things. Yep. Um, but I just don't know, but I just think, uh, but here's, here's the, here's the, the, here's the sad part of it because Brian I, Spears. yes, I actually listened to an attorney that deals with conservatorships and uh, here in the state of California. And she told me that Brittany's not going to get out of this thing anytime soon. There's no way. I mean, the court system moves so slow. Of course, they're going to milk it as long as they can. She might get out of it, but it's going to be years. She said it might be four years. Yeah, it'll be years. It'll be two years. She goes, it's going to go either one of two ways. Either the family is going, or like Brittany's dad's going to throw his hands up and go, I don't want this kind of backlash. And it's just going to dissolve. They get berated. Yep. It'll dissolve overnight. But she goes, that's, but, but she goes, but the problem is it's in the courts of the state of California. And they move at a snail's pace. It's like being, uh, it's like being uh, exonerated in prison. And it, in California, it takes, you know, can take a year to get you out of prison, even after they found evidence, DNA evidence that they know you didn't do it. Yeah. And still you hear all oh, the guys still in prison. He's still waiting for them to get the fucking paperwork together so he can get out of prison. You're like, well, they found he's not guilty. Just let him out. You know what I mean? Why is he still in there? Does he make any sense? Right. So that's how bureaucracy works in California. It's one of the things that drives me crazy about this state. So uh, we could see this thing actually drag on if Brittany ever gets out of it. And she may never get out of it from what this attorney said. Which is sad because she wants to have kids. She, she wants to start a family with this guy. If they have her on this un, like uh, involuntary IUD, she's not going to be able to have children once this is done. She, her, I mean, a woman's eggs are only you only have so many of them. Not to and knock that, but like, right? She's thirty nine years old. She's, she's already, she's already old. pushing the envelope at that age. If you want to have kids, like you, you got to find either you got to do it now or you have to find a surrogate. And the other thing, 
And, but the other thing is I wonder about her dad because, I mean, I don't know where to go with her dad as far as if he's being nefarious and being a complete dirtbag. And if you hear Britain, the way Brittany's talking about him, she's not too happy with him. So I don't know, you know, which way, I don't know which way that's going, but it's going to be, but, but what I was going to say is for, see, that's where I lose my train of thought really, really quickly. But what I was going to say is one reason he may be stepping out of the picture now, and it may not be such a big deal to him is because he's getting older. He's el he's becoming elderly himself, so money's not that big a big a deal to him. You know. Also, I mean? if he's saved everything that he's made off he's of her, I mean, come he's, on. He's, he's like, I've up. already gotten my riches out of he's this. Got, yep. Right. But the other thing is, is she's aging out of her career, the the height of her career. It's not going to be easy for her to come back and now be the thirty two or thirty three, thirty four year old Brittany that's True. doing residency in Vegas. She's aging out of her career in Hollywood. It's hard for a girl, for a music artist. I mean, even look, I mean, you have like, you have anomalies like J-Lo, for instance. Cher, Cher J-Lo. Just very few that that keep pushing that, you know, keep pushing <laughs> that. Name well, another one. <laughs> another Christina one, Aguilera, maybe? Another one was, um, oh my gosh, she's Tina Turner back in the day. But that yeah. was back in the day. But you just Wait, don't see well, girls. I mean, Brittany can do it. But I think that, you know, one thing her dad may be looking at now is thinking to himself, yeah, you know, she doesn't have that many more years to be able to uh, make enough money to keep this conservatorship thing going. You know what I mean? Because it's right. got to be funneling millions of dollars with the attorneys, the state and everything. This thing's costing millions of dollars every year to keep in place. Mm -hmm. And if she's not working, that's why they made her work this entire time. Most people that's in a conservatorship, it's a, an estate thing and they are incapable of working. Oh, it was, they can't work yeah. at all. They can't work at all. But the reason they keep her working is to keep this conservatorship going because it's this massive machine that takes a shitload of money to keep it going. Cow. It's a cash cow for all of them, for the attorneys, for the nurses, for the doctors, for the pharmacist, for the pharma, the pharmacist, the, anybody that's got a, got a finger in the, in the cookie jar. Mm -hmm. It's a cash cow for all of them. And Brittany's dad, I feel, is the puppet master over the whole thing and has been for years to keep the thing going so he could put as much money in his pocket as he could possibly put in his pocket. And now he's probably lost a relationship for the rest of his life with his daughter because she's probably not going to have anything else to do with him. So he traded, he traded his daughter, you know, for monetary purposes. And now he's living in an RV. And his reputation. I mean, his reputation. Yeah, I saw one of my friends uh, who's a celebrity. She she uh, she posted her Instagram story like right after the day after uh, Brittany gave her court th uh, speech. She posted uh, on her Instagram. Good morning to everybody except for Jamie Spears. Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I saw one that was a picture of her from the "I Must Lay for You" video. And it's, it was with her, the snake and it was like all the snakes that Brittany has in her life. And it was that snake, her dad, her mom, and then her sister. I was like, <laughs> very true. I just, I just hope, um, you know, I just wonder, you know, cause I know that there was an underlying medical condition there when the conservatorship, that's how it got pa passed through so fast. I'm just hoping that she is mentally sound 
sound yeah. does not having any episodes anymore and you know what i mean but even so is, if it is she's old enough to manage it yeah well she, I mean, she just, doesn't need a conservatorship to this she could have one she just she just needs a chaperone exactly and she needs like a nanny or assistant that can take care of her and or assistant. be around her and, and she can afford that yeah she can afford that if Lindsay so, lohan can be on her own yeah, yeah. oh yeah for sure yeah there's uh, no absolutely. reason Brittany can't but my but my fear is is if though if she still have if she is having episodes and i don't know that she is I, that's just what i was told you know what i mean but it was her boyfriend that her family hated so i figure he was telling the truth because she had had those episodes with him and he had to call her dad which was weird for him because her dad hated his guts like despised him like wanted to kill him like threatened to kill him kind of stuff you know what i mean threatened to shoot him you know what i mean he goes you ever come out here to my part of the country yeah. you're dead so you better not leave los angeles you better not leave los angeles with my daughter because if i catch you somewhere else you're done you know it's that kind of that kind of thing i mean they hated each other and when he told me that a couple of times he would have to call britney's dad like you got to come get her because i don't know what to do with her you know what i mean so hopefully everything all that stuff is you know cleared itself up and because that's the other thing you know for us the general public we don't know exactly what's going on you know what i mean there are people in that inner circle that are working with her that are at her house every day from the maids to everybody that have signed ndas where they can't talk, talk right and they know exactly what the deal is you know what i mean and, and we don't so there could be something there but i'm just hoping i'm hoping not uh i'm hoping that uh you know i, th I think britney's She's one to she has a new boyfriend and she's wanting to live her life. And I can't say I blame her. You know what I mean? This is it's just it's a modern, she's a modern day slave. Right. It's crazy because she had that song, I'm a slave for you, or what was the name of that song? Slave? Yeah. yeah. And she's been a modern day slave for if you look back at it and if you really look at it, and it's funny how you know, because I'm I'm very um uh, I'm not gonna say I'm anti anti-wokeness. But a lot of this woke bullshit gets on my very last nerve. But it is, there are things that ha, are coming to the surface at this time that as the public, we've just always kind of just, eh, none of my business. You know what I mean? For years, there's so many things now that we go, oh, no, wait a minute. Like the Harvey Weinstein thing. You know what I mean? I mean, that shit's been going on for years. It was no secret. It was never any secret. Everybody knew what he did and what he was. And people just kept it quiet because of who he was and how much power he had in Hollywood. And they wanted to be fear. in them, his movies. It was, a fear, yeah. it was yeah. a fear thing. A fear, it was a fear thing. And then, you know, but now people are fed up with that kind of bullshit. And hopefully this Britney Spears thing is going to be exactly one of those things. So what, whatever way it goes, she will get to live her life finally. Like she should have been living her life for probably the last 10 years. You know what I mean? I think if she even got that conservatorship, three years. I think maybe That's for like three, three years. to five. Unless she was a complete danger to herself and couldn't take care of herself and was like incapacitated, which we all know she wasn't. If she can work, if she can get out there and choreograph, because she does all of her own choreograph choreography with her dancers and stuff. She's in charge or she's always been about with a choreographer how the how the dancing and stuff is gonna be. And if she can do that kind of stuff, then you know, it's it's the whole thing is ridiculous. And I think it all stems around her being a cash cow. 
Everybody yeah. looks, even the state of California looks at it as a, as a money grab. It's a money it's, grab. It's a money grab for them to be able to grab all of this money from everybody that's involved, from the attorneys, the state, her dad, you name it. They're, they're milking her dry of her money. Well, now they also they can't prove that she's crazy because she hasn't done anything in so long that there's no reason for it. Before, they might have been able to say, okay, well, she did this. So, yeah, I mean, and, you know, look, 10 years ago even, mental health was rarely talked about. I mean, now it's becoming more mainstream to talk about mental health. And so I think now they can't get away with what they might have gotten away with 10 years ago. And I think if that were to happen now, it they wouldn't have been able to get through with it. What I do wonder about, though, is like uh... – I do wonder about, let's see what the chat's saying here. I'm actually heard of uh, F-bombs and whatnot are a sign of higher intelligence. Oh, they're talking, <laughs> I was looking at what the chat's talking about. Um, I do wonder about her, like, Instagram stuff. You know what I mean? You follow her on Instagram, right? Like, yes, some yes. of the videos are a little bit, I mean, her dance routines and stuff, you know what I mean? It just seems like something that like a junior high girl, junior high school girl. So I wonder like if that's a sign of her being over medicated and not and not understanding, you know, exactly what she's doing. Or I don't know if it's like, you know, like her whole free Britney conspiracy, you know, they're all looking for signs. She's given us signs every time she does one of these videos. But Right. The yellow shirt's the biggest one. I know celebrities for a fact. Um they have PR people that a lot of times they go through to even post, you know what I mean? A lot of celebrities don't even post for themselves because they're afraid they'll get themselves in trouble and everything is an image. You know what I mean? And I know there's no PR firm or anything that would approve those little dance videos. And you know what I'm saying? Cause some of their kind of, they're kind of awkward, you know what I mean? And the way she's filming them and it's, it's just, there's more there. I have a friend who is a videographer and he had mentioned that she was not allowed for the longest time. He actually worked with somebody who had a residency in Las Vegas. She wasn't allowed to use her phone. Uh, she wasn't up until yeah, recently. And so part of it's like, is it really her posting those videos or do they see this and they're like, okay, well, you know, if you look at her, like she looks a little bit disheveled. Yeah. She looks like she, you know she needs to wash hair. She needs some self love, self care. She might not be getting that again. How much is, of it is being poorly medicated or not properly medicated, or is it her being that way? But then again, is it really her posting those, or is it someone behind it? Because again, what he had told me was she's not allowed to have her phone. She doesn't run her phone. Everything that's posted is she'll tell them like what she wants posted, and then they find it and then they say it. Wow. They put you, it out there. That that just was a light bulb moment for me because they may be doing that on purpose to make her look bad, to make her look like she needs a conservatorship. Yep. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. I didn't even think of it that way. But you're right because, uh, or her not having her phone because that, remember me telling you that we kind of like went back and forth uh, through Twitter and then all of a sudden that was gone. I'd message her. There was, it was crickets. There was nothing. Yeah, she wasn't allowed to even look online. And they had claimed it was because it drove her crazy. Like, she would go read what the uh, media would say about And, I mean, how much of that is 10 years ago versus today? I mean, yeah, 10 years ago when she's having a psychotic break and she's reading about it, that would make her more – that's just fuel to the fire. But if now in today's society she can't even go on and post something for herself when she's 39. I know. It's insane. You know, it's funny how the uh, – 
I guess it's the death of the rags, the magazines, because the paparazzi is not like a big deal anymore for celebrities. I mean, they st they're still out there, you know, for TMZ and stuff like that. But it's not like it was back in like the 80s and the 90s. Well, I think social media put that to bed. If you look, yeah, social media, if you look at all of the celebrities that were basically driven to insanity by the paparazzi, I mean, you have Justin Bieber, Britney. I mean, you can, the list is long. People don't realize, you know, how bad the, the paparazzi used to antagonize and they would antagonize. People don't understand this. I've oh, worked yeah. for a couple of celebrities and, and the paparazzi would antagonize because they're looking for a money shot. And if the celebrity gets mad or screams, they react, they react and then yeah. they get, they get more money for their pictures. So, uh, I always, and that was another thing is being a photographer. I'm not for regulating can anything, you know, even I don't, we're talking guns or anything. You know what I mean? I'm not for any more government regulation on anything. That's one thing I always thought this, and I'm a photographer. It's one thing I always thought that the government or the, the city of Los Angeles should have regulated somehow. There should have been some regulations. I remember, uh, I can't remember what celebrity it was, but the paparazzi was chasing one of the celebrity, celebrities. It might have been, um, he was Rihanna's boyfriend. Uh, oh, Chris, Chris Brown. Brown. I think it was Chris Brown. Uh, after him and Rihanna had the, he supposedly beat her up or something. He was in like a Mercedes mall back or something. And the paparazzi was chasing him going down the one Oh one. And they were all doing over a hundred miles an hour. He was trying to get away from the paparazzi. He's doing like 150 miles an hour and they're still chasing him. And I'm like, where's the cops? Right. Everybody should have got pulled over. Everybody. You know what I mean? And I'm not talking about it's like just Chris Brown and his car running and there's a couple of cars behind him. No, it's like a train of cars and they're all running because they're trying to get this picture or whatever. I'm like, that's insane. And it's like the city would just look the other way. Yep. It's crazy. Because they make money off it. Yeah, Some states money. have, um, what is it called? Anti-stalker uh, laws. And well, there, there's the one, I can't think of what the law is called, but um no consent. So you can't oh, yeah, take yeah. pictures. It has to be a two-party consent system, which no, California no, no. obviously doesn't have. But not, some not, states. Not for pictures. Some of them you can't. If uh -uh. you take a picture, yes. Florida is one of them. You cannot uh -uh. take a. Yes, it is. And I know this because my brother's an attorney and he had to deal with someone who, um, if you video or take a photograph of somebody, now obviously celebrities, don't, aren't, they're not going to waste their time on property. They don't care. They know the person doesn't have money. They're not going to go after them. But People, uh, if you were to take a, a picture of someone and they didn't want that, they can sue you for that, for taking mm -hmm. a picture without their consent. Yes, that's a thing. On, on Maybe on private property, but not if you're in public. That, that's possible. Yeah, that's because possible. that's why the police, because the possible. police don't like to be filmed. It's a federal law. It's, it's your constitutional right. right. Anything that you can see in public, you're allowed to film. That's possible in that's, private. That's, that's the law, yeah. Even if you have like, say you have a big estate, right? You have a big estate like in Calabasas, like Kim and Kanye's estate, right? Uh, if I can get to a place that's in like Hidden Hills, that's a private guarded community. So that's private property. But if I can get in the hills up behind their house in public, that's public land with a telescope at lens and photograph Kim on her balcony, butt naked, that's completely legal to do. 
anything that you can see with, with your own eyes from public, you can photograph. That's why you can always film and videotape and photograph the police all over this country. The police will tell you that's against the law. You cannot film me. You can't photograph me. That's bullshit. Uh, there's public domain. You can film anything, anybody in public. I had a, a lady yelling at me in downtown Huntington beach one time because I was, uh, taking pictures of a model down there and she was in the back she walked through the back of the picture and she's like i don't want to be in your pictures and she came yelling at me and i'm like if you don't want to be in the pictures don't walk through don't there walk through it, right get the fuck out of the way and we're in public so right. you know she could like tell me erase those pictures am i in your pictures if, you, if i'm in your pictures you erase those pictures i'm like lady go away and i she went to get a cop and the cop told her you're in public you have no right to privacy you're in public that's why it's public you're, you have no right to privacy in public at all, no matter who you are. And that's what the paparazzi, you know, that was like their feeding frenzy because they knew that, you know, the law couldn't do anything to them. But the city could have made some kind of regulations to regulate it, you know what I mean, for safety right. hazards and stuff like that. But, you know, it's probably better that that didn't happen because what happens is anytime there's any kind of re regulations like that, it becomes something else because then they use it for some nefarious reason that it wasn't even designed for to begin with. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Which, you know, like all of a sudden they'll tell you, you can't take pictures of athletes at a stadium or something like yeah. that. You know what I mean, they'll always come up with something else. So that's why I'm always against any more kind of government regulation. Cause if they, if it starts, it'll snowball into something else that you didn't even see. You're like, Oh shit. I didn't even think about that. They use it for that, you know, and then it comes back and bites you in the ass. You get a ticket for some other, you know, they, because you know, they love writing tickets because that generates money. Yeah. You know? So when you're coming back to LA, what? When are you coming back to LA? I'm hopefully going to be there in the next month. I thought you were going to Seattle. I am going to Seattle in uh, two weeks. I'm going to Seattle, but hopefully I will be back in LA after that. Depending what, upon, I have a job the, interview that I'm interviewing for here in Miami. So it depends on if I get that and how that goes. Um, however, I mean, yeah. How long have you been in Miami now for a month? No, let's see. I left. I got here mid-April. April, May, June. Holy shit. Two and a half months. Like three months? Yeah. So we were talking about going, I was thinking, because I was trying to get out of California too at that time. Mm -hmm. We're talking about going out there and starting a podcast out there. Guess, <laughs> it's still possible. <laughs> I guess I, I guess I was just bullshit, and you just did it. I didn't even know you had left LA. You kept it kind of on the quiet. You said you told me you were going to. You're like, yeah. when you go to Tampa, then you go to Tampa first, and then to Miami. I was in East. Tampa for a little bit. Yeah. I was in New Orleans. I love to travel. Traveling is yeah, my yeah, favorite hobby. So yeah, if I here. can be on the road, whether it's flying, driving, whatever, I'm gonna did you go. Drive? Um, we did. I had a friend drive with me Holy to New Orleans. Mm -hmm. um, it was actually my birthday week and her birthday week. So we okay. spent four days. It was the week that uh, New oh, Orleans great. reopened. So it was oh, so perfect. much fun. Right. Oh, so much fun. So um, how, is, how is New Orleans right now? You know, it's kind of it's kind of sad because a lot of the places, you know, no they, tourists. they shut down. I mean, it, it's back now. Now it's back. Bourbon Street is back. The we cat meows meows open. All the bars are open. Um, Fisher Street, Fisherman Street, Fisherman Block, where all the locals go, got hit the the, the most. A lot of right. those places really shut yeah, down. Those little, little non non touristy places that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. which is really sad. And there's a lot of graffiti. I mean, 
ridiculous amounts of graffiti, which some of these buildings are like 150 years old and they've been vandalized, which is really sad. And a lot of the locals were really disappointed about that. Even the um, cemeteries, I mean, the cemeteries are permanent closed. You can't even get in there now because people trash them, which is so horrible. You know, it's history and America doesn't have a lot of deep history to other it's countries. One of my friends in London calls us we're in our teenage years. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it's weird. Like, um, you know, New Orleans was all New Orleans always had like a element of people that were anybody would consider very poor. But it was like after the hurricane, something changed about. I mean, a lot of those people left. And went to Houston and went to Dallas. And it was crazy because all of those people that left and went to Houston and went to Dallas, the crime went through the roof. But even though New Orleans had those people, New Orleans was it 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 was pretty safe. You know what I mean? It wasn't it wasn't crazy. And then after the hurricane, I went back, I've been back a couple of times and it's just like Los Angeles. You know what I mean? It's just like I don't know what. It's not what it was because no. I don't think it really got back to where it was before the hurricane. Hurricane, yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, the people is that it, were already it used, be, it used to be pretty clean. I mean, if you went out to the not boroughs, what do they call those? Uh the um <laughs> the bayou. Right? The, the bayou. bayou. But no, but they call the neighborhoods. They have a different name. I can't think of the name name of them. It feels like yeah. a different country when you drive in there. Yeah, yeah. It's you a, fly it, in, you go in, it you feel like war- you're the wards, the, the wards. wards. Yeah, yeah, the wards. Yeah, yeah. I think the wards. Yeah, if you go out to the different wards, I mean, there was places like you'd drive through and go, like, holy shit, like these people don't even have shoes. You know what I mean? You at least see like kids running around barefooted and stuff, like on their bicycles because they don't even have shoes. And it's so poor. But it was like it's like there's been a moral, like since the hurricane, there's like this moral breakdown in that city. Does that make sense? Like, even when I went back after the hurricane, like you would see guys out there, like trying to intimidate tourists for money and stuff. Like, Hey, you looked at me, give me some money. What? And that was stuff that you didn't, uh, you didn't see before the hurricane. I never saw before the hurricane. Cause I used to work in new Orleans all the time. I love new Orleans. So yeah, I, much. It's- I, could, I almost moved there right before the hurricane. Yeah, right everything happens that. for a reason. You're lucky yeah. that you didn't. And I almost moved to Miami because I had a friend of mine, Darren, out of Miami, and he has a beautiful condo in uh, West Palm. And he was trying to get me to move out there. He's like, "You can stay here for free, dude, but I got a job offer out here, so I can move out here and go straight to work." And that's how I ended up in California. But I had already had my mind set to move to Miami because I love Miami. I love it Definitely so heat. much. <laughs> it's so humid. I like hot. I do like, but California right now is hot as hell. It's like 90 degrees a day. But it's dry heat there. It That's is dry the difference. heat. Yeah, dry is. heat over humidity. I mean, I straighten this and it's like, pfft. and I'm inside in 60, no, 70 degree air conditioning. <laughs> so have, have you had any luck looking for work out there? I have. There is a company yeah. that I, so when I first came out, I had a job offer, but it was, I got total bait and switched. Not uh, what I had signed up for, which right. is pretty disappointing. But also, my whole family is up and down the East Coast, so it's yeah. really nice just to be close to everyone. Um, and so, and I'm I find out Thursday if I get it. But I also I kind of want to go back to Los Angeles and to California, and I've applied there too. But it's just it's just opening up. 
And so what I do you were for a living. San Diego, weren't you? you were I was. Diego, I was yeah. in LA I for three years Diego. and in San Diego for three years. So Listen. I've never I've I've spent time in San Diego. Like a year and a half ago or right before the pandemic, I stayed in San Diego for like a couple of weeks or maybe three weeks. I it's really like a like big- San Diego. Oh, we lost you. There we go. It's like a big sleepy beach town. Yeah, yeah, it is. But it's clean compared to like Los Angeles. It's so clean and like the gas lamp district. You don't think it is? I don't know what part you're in. I mean, compared to Los Angeles, yeah, it's very clean. But yeah. go to like Pacific Beach or Ocean Beach, it I mean it's pretty dirty. Yeah. But it's not like Venice Beach where you got homeless tents everywhere now. Uh, is it? Yeah. Okay. It is. The pandemic which is weird because the pandemic they just moved them into hotels for a while and then oh, now they're they back showed up again yeah. yeah so i don't know california is like going back to the whole california is so corrupt the oh there's so much stuff going on right now uh like uh, newsom just got recalled but not la- thank god not <laughs> last listen to this not last are you familiar with long beach you're pretty familiar with long beach right mm-hmm. okay so you know where the pike is right Yes. Into the pike or the hooters and all that stuff down there. Mm-hmm. So not last night, night before there was a drive by shooting. Somebody drove by shooting at people outside the hooters, shot the door out of the hooters. Yeah. And then That's there was terrible. a lady that just got robbed. Like some girl got robbed in broad daylight and the dude stabbed her. Yeah. It's crazy. That's aggressive. Stab someone in, in daylight and long beach. Oh, but, but here's, crazy. here's the thing. This is what, cause you're a millennial. How old are you? If you don't mind me. Asking. 29. You're like, oh, you're 29. 29. Okay. So, <laughs> but you, millennials don't remember the eighties and what these larger metropolitan cities were like, cause you were born in 88, 92. It depends on who you ask. Cause I was 92, but my siblings I and mean, I have a 45 year old cousin who is also technically a millennial that because, cut off. Because, because like Los Angeles, New York city. Dude, in the 80s, they were like, there was movies made with Kurt Russell called Escape from New York and Escape from L.A. Because that's how, you know, I was living in rural Texas and that was a whole thing. Like just, you know, how bad the crime and the gangs were and all the drive-by shootings and all the murders and everything. And because of the oversaturation of police because all these budgets ballooned and then police kind of got militarized, which I don't agree with all of that. But what it did do is it brought, I mean, New York city used to be a fucking urban jungle. You know what I mean? First time I ever went to New York city, I was like, Chicago now. Yeah, exactly. But I was like, what the, like all the parks were taken over by homeless people, you know, except for central park, but like all the smaller parks, like Washington park and Washington square and stuff, you couldn't even get in that park because it was run by homeless people. Well, it's Venice Beach now. Well, now, but yeah, what I'm, yeah, but what I'm saying Los is, Angeles is, but what I'm saying is, and then it took uh, p- this drives free, and I've had it, I've had Democrats admit this, but it drives liberals crazy because I said it took two conservative Republicans, Rudy Giuliani, yeah. and then Bloomberg to come in there and clean up New York City, and it was really Rudy Giuliani. He ran on that. That was his whole thing: is I'm going to clean up New York City. I remember seeing that campaign going, buddy, you ain't cleaning up shit. Have you seen New York City? Like even the subway was just, I mean, it was just graffiti everywhere. It was just, it was like my friends in New York City, the first time I went there, I was living in Dallas and they said, 
the first thing they told me is do not walk around looking up. If you walk around looking up at the buildings, they're going to know you're a tourist and somebody's going to mug you. They call it mugging back in those days instead of yeah, walking. Get mugged. Mug you. Yeah. That's still a thing. Yeah. Don't don't be walking around looking up at the buildings because because there's an element of people in New York City that they look for that. They look for people that they think are not locals to rob. You make yourself a target. Look, yeah, you make yourself a target. Mm-hmm. So I was all paranoid. I wanted to look at the buildings and I'd kind of like, or I'd go stand against the building and look up. At the <laughs> but I just didn't walk around, you know, like being a, and then it was funny because then I worked in New York city and I would walk around after, you know, the crime had come down and stuff and just walk around and just see the tourists just aimlessly walking around and walking into people and walking, you know, and like, Oh my God. Cause you see that then. And yeah. that's, I mean, when you go somewhere like that, that's all you want to do. Yeah. So I have a question for you. Yeah. Because when you get back to LA, because I have a feeling you're going to come back. Because the weather you can't beat the weather here. Have you been down to Have you been down to Holliver Beach in, in Miami? Is it Holliver? Holland. Holland. Oliver, I think it's Holliver. It's the nude beach down there. It's right off A one A. Haven't been there yet. Put that on my list. <laughs> Put that on your list. Uh, so when you get back to LA, uh, you got to take me out to dinner somewhere. <laughs> yeah. you take me out to dinner too? What area do you want to go out in? Uh, I'll probably move back. So I lived in Venice. Well, Mar Vista, which is West LA. It's Venice. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I'm down. I, I got the hell out of LA, man. I was like down. I was two and a half miles from down. I was two and a half miles from down. You like Venice? Venice is a disaster right now. I now? When's the last time you've been to Venice? Mm, a month ago. Oh, really? Yeah. All you my know, friends live in Oh you my! Know, most of my friends. You, I have like a. Even when I was living in San Diego, you know one I was only leaving it for work. You know, one of the big buildings right there on the boardwalk burned down, right? Because the homeless encampment caught on fire and it burnt the whole building down. Oh, big, so huge buildings. It was on the corner. It's that's gone. So it's literally gone. There's nothing there. It's just a so big sad. open space because there was a homeless tent encampment there, and the encampment caught on fire and it caught the whole building on fire and the whole building burned down. Yeah. insurance money after covid that guy's probably like sweet i'm not gonna yeah. rebuild I mean, yeah. <laughs> and, plus, and the government home- stipend for the homeless people that were living there so he just hit the jackpot <laughs> i pushed i pushed down to fullerton so i'm in fullerton so that's so far i mean i'm just in san diego I'll, i have friends that are in lakeview uh south bay yeah south bay all over tarziana yeah, Tarzan. I never go to the valley unless yeah. I'm going to go to Six Flags and then, you know, shot yeah. in the dark. But yeah, right. Um, yeah, we'll see. That's I mean, way up north. So far, and what people don't understand for those of you listening, like four miles in Southern California is like a four-hour drive. Yeah, depending upon traffic, it's not like oh, it's just four miles. No, it's you have to take into consideration the traffic there is terrible. So in most other normal cities four miles is you know maybe 10 15 minutes which it should be that's what it was during covid but with everyone back and everyone out yeah, yeah. Uh, from minneapolis it, minneapolis in the 80s wasn't the best <laughs> travis is all through the 80s i was in minneapolis minnesota oh you, somebody said it was co- oh here it is Travis. You said it was called Minneapolis. Murderopolis. It's just called Mur- Well, now it's are really you, called Murderopolis. Are you from Minneapolis? I am. I, yeah, I'm from Minneapolis. I, I went to school in downtown. Oh, Anyone wow. knows De La Salle High School? Okay. I went there. Oh, wow. The Twin Cities. Twin Cities. The, the most I remember about me, I mean, I've worked in Minneapolis and St. Paul a bunch, but the most thing I remember most about it is just going to Deja Vu in downtown. <laughs> <laughs> 
DJ Hoyes is right there too. Um, it has the most Fortune 500 companies per capita in the United States because Sears. Does? Yep, because Sears built right on the Mississippi River. Well, the the thing that always irritated me about I could never I could never believe the caliber of the girls that would be dancing in Deja Vu there in Minneapolis. In down, you know what I'm talking about? The one in downtown Minneapolis? <laughs> downtown, I know right yeah. where that is. I and, get and off the exit from 94 and I pass and, it every day to go to school. And it was it's it was one of the most because I've been in strip clubs and I've been in strip clubs all over the United States, all over the world. You know what I mean? And that that stage because they had a stage upstairs and the girl it was glass and then the girls would slide down the pole it was and then the the girls were amazing but you know what i hated about it what there's no drinking no alcohol oh, yeah you can't buy alcohol on sundays can't buy alcohol after 10 like w no there was no alcohol being served there was oh, no i didn't know that there at all no you could and like a bottle of water was like four or five dollars a bottle and all you could get was water it was crazy. I was going like, drunk what? when I went there. So that's the way to do it. <laughs> you know, I get, I, is like get get hammered and go there. But it was just like crazy because I, I I would I would go every now and then. But I was like, it was so weird because it was so weird to be in a strip club. And it was I felt so bad for the dancers because that's how they make money is drunk ass dudes. You know, don't realize how much money they spend going back to the ATM because they already spent three or four hundred bucks and going to pull more money out of the ATM because they're drunk as shit and they'll regret it in the morning, but they don't remember it right now. And the girls, you know, but when you got a bunch of sober dudes sitting around drinking water, nobody's tipping shit. You know what I mean? I used to feel so bad for the girls and they were beautiful because I lived in Dallas at the time and Dallas used to have the best other than Vegas. Dallas had the best strip clubs in the country. There were actually a, a couple, there was one or two good strip clubs in, in Memphis, believe it or not. I love Sapphire. That's my favorite strip club. Yeah. And every time I would go to Vegas for work, yeah. I would go to Sapphire until like six in the morning. Yeah. Got carried out of there one time, got kicked out because someone left a bottle of vodka. They're like, here, do you want this? I think it was like some bachelor party. Oh, no. all too drunk. And I was like, you, sure. You are, and I was just pouring vodka. Oh, my <laughs> God. This guy's like, do you work here? And I was like, no. And he's like, all right, you're, you're out, out of here. here. <laughs> you're like, do you see how tall I am? Yeah. Me out. I'm like, I'm a five foot. Yeah. What are you, five foot? Five <laughs> one? Yeah. No, five eight. My ex-wife is 4'11", but she says she tries to play it off. She's five feet. I'm like, no, bitch, you're 4'11". <laughs> are you, are you short, almost all of you short girls add an inch. So like when a girl tells me they're 5'1", I'm like, yeah, you're five foot. Or if they I tell run me down. Do what? I round down. I'm like five and three quarters. I just go okay. to five feet. But you celebrate your. your I love it. Um, I yeah, like most, being small. Most girls like they want to be taller or they're embarrassed to be. More tired. leg room on airplanes. That's true. Everyone's taller. Well, most guys I date are taller than me. But um, <laughs> like getting shit off the top shelves at the grocery stores oh, are yeah, pain in the ass or at the Walmart or anything. Getting things out of my cupboard, no dice. Yeah. Oh, oh, you had a dog. I was gonna yeah. get you to this ball. Oh yeah. Me, I haven't had attention in five minutes. Did you take? Oh, you took your dog out there driving. Yeah. Uh, yes, I did. Yeah. She so can. You have, so you have your. So you have your car out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, everything I have is out here yeah. now. Oh, did you? Uh, did you? How did you? Did you rent a U-Haul? I know. I paid someone to move my stuff, and then uh -huh. I just put it. I. Didn't sign a lease. I was going to wait to see what my territory was. Depending so you're on Airbnb? No, I'm living with family. 
my family oh, yeah, down yeah. here. I was going to say, because so, yeah, that gets expensive quick. Yeah, no. Yeah. I'm saving as much as I can, right? Which is really nice. Like, Yeah, yeah, for sure. I have a beautiful yeah. home on a beach to myself. So There you go, I man. I shouldn't say that out loud. I don't want people coming. <laughs> <laughs> Not what's alone, the, actually. What's the address? What? Yeah. What's the address again? Yeah. Is my geolocation on? Wait. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on my way. <laughs> So where, where, where are you at? Are you like at West Palm? Are you like at Miami beach or I'm Hollywood? North Miami beach, North Miami beach, oh, North Miami God. beach, such a nice area. So yeah, you can actually really walk, hard. you can walk down to Miami beach, South beach then. Yeah, uh, no, a, that's like uh, a 30 a minute Uber, drive. For is me. it Uber ride? Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Uber yeah. ride, whatever it is. Still a nice area though. So you are up towards Hollywood then. Yes. Yeah. I'm like halfway between, um, Brickle and Hollywood. Gotcha. So how far are you from A1A? I don't know what's A1A. I don't know what that is. A1A Beachfront Avenue or whatever it is. Don't you remember the old Vanilla Ice song? A1A Beachfront Avenue. I don't know what that is. I actually don't. I'm like, I've traveled so much. A1A is like the, it's the main road that you can literally take like down in. Oh, that's like five minutes for me. The road that goes all the way down the peninsula. Yeah, no, that's, I, just hop out and uh, it's super close. I've taken A1A all the way from, uh, my God, um, where the, oh, Daytona, all the way yeah. from Daytona, all the way up to South Beach. Yeah, I just go out of that's like the main road. It, um, random, random Nomads is swatted. Give us your address. We'll swat. <laughs> in the police. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, uh, I'm be that lucky. You, we were supposed to, we were supposed to go out. And when you were in San Diego, and we so well, I had COVID. I had COVID. I had really bad the whole month of February. I was hospitalized for like a solid, like two days. I was so sick with COVID. That's right. So I spent all of February. We were were talking when you had COVID, but you were doing okay. I never realized that you actually went into the hospital. Oh my God. No, it felt like my lungs. I'm not a smoker. I think I smoked weed maybe in college a few times. It just wasn't my thing. It wasn't something I ever wanted to pay for. Didn't grow up around family that smoked. Just wasn't wasn't what I did. So I felt like my lungs were ripping from the inside out. I can't explain it. It felt like knives were just oh. cutting me. And yeah. I got to a point one night where I could not, like I couldn't breathe. breathe. Couldn't you're, breathe. You're, you're speaking to the choir because I or singing to the choir because I had COVID too. <gasps> and and when I had it, it was before I got it like in April. So right at the very beginning and it was crazy because I hadn't been around anybody and I started wearing a mask before everybody else was wearing masks. Cause like, cause no, we knew, nobody knew what was going on. No one knew what was right? going on. And I was actually wearing like a, the N91 or whatever, like a real respirator mask. I wasn't wearing like a little, like we wear now. The little piece of paper. Wearing, yeah. Cause, cause <laughs> I worked, I was the creative director for a garment facility. So we manufactured garments. So we already had the mask, you know what I mean? For the warehouse and stuff, if we wanted to wear one. So I was watching the shit that was going on in China. So I started wearing the mask before any people were walking like, what are you walking around the mask for? So I was all about the mask. And I got COVID within like the first month of everything, of everything going on. And, uh, dude, so when I called the hospital, you know what they told me? Stay home. Yeah. Yeah. If you can, if you can, they go, there's nothing really we can do for you except keep you comfortable. And, but if you kind of bullshit, but if you get where you can't breathe, go ahead and come in. 
And then I watched Joe Rogan, uh, Joe Rogan podcast and Michael Yo or whatever had had COVID and said that 80% of 80% of the people that they hook up to a ventilator die. Mm-hmm. So I, was like, I ain't getting hooked up to no damn ventilator. I'll just freaking, I'll, uh, you know, just, I will, uh, just, uh, they gave me some, it was an antiviral and oh, we, got, we got, we got Michael Roy in the room. He says, we got to talk about Brittany. <laughs> Where have you Michael, been the last hour? We've been, we've been the last hour and a half, buddy. <laughs> you talked about Brittany for like an hour. Yeah. Ready to wrap it up here. Yeah. But thanks for dropping in, Michael. You're a new face. <laughs> um, They gave me some antiviral, and they're like, we're going to watch your oxygen levels. My oxygen was okay, even though I felt like I was going to die, and my fever was through the roof. And they gave me something for my fever and I asked for a steroid, and they're like, we can't do that. It's going to make it worse. Actually, mm-hmm. the steroid counteracts the coronavirus. Because of inflammation. It, yep. Yeah. So they're like, you give this and then come back and, you know, if it 24 hours, you don't feel better, then come back. So I think I was there probably for close to two days, a day or so. I went you there. Good, you have good insurance through your family? Yeah, I know. I have good insurance. I had insurance through work. For my company. So I still have it. And so luckily that was, I still have that, but man, oh, I wouldn't wish that upon anyone. I also don't think that was a a variant of another illness, not to get into a political debate, but just the way it took over the, and I had the ear ringing and that was my first symptom was my, my, to this day, my ears still ring. Like, you know, like you talk so loud. I'm like, cause I can't hear anything. Yeah. My, <laughs> mine was my, uh, I just lost my taste and smell and I've still only got maybe 30, maybe 35, 40% of it back. Like I was never, I've never been a foodie. I've never been like a big foodie. You know, I like a, like a nice steak, you know what I mean? Or I like sushi. I yeah. like food, but I'm not like when it, you know, like a right. lot of women are, they like food more than they like sex almost. You know, or they do, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not one of those people. But I do like a nice meal, but now that I have no, you know, my smell and my taste is not that great. Like I could, you know, it's another reason I forget to eat. You know what I mean? I already had oh, problems eat before and now I'm just right. hungry. Yeah. I lost my smell, but I got it back. That was it. Never lost my taste, but yeah, my ears nice. to this day and my chest still, I mean, I'll, I'll run on, I can't run or walk on a treadmill or because it, my lungs burn. It, it, the only way I can explain it is if you've ever lived in a cold climate, because I lived in Minneapolis. Oh yeah. Yeah. You go from really hot cold, to cold, and you take a deep breath outside and your lungs kind of contract. It's the only way I can explain it. And that's how I constantly, it was like this burn in my lungs and yeah i wish that upon which, which is, which is kind of crazy because we both lean pretty conservative these days because we've lived in california little, yeah i thought know. i was centralized until i, I lived in california yeah. <laughs> i was like now, now. I, le- I leaned to left when i moved to california i was a left-leaning guy i'm not, i wasn't a liberal but i was way more liberal than i was conservative but now i'm just like i the see issue is they, they force you in a box it's either one or the other there's no like I can't like a little of this and like that. It's well if you like this, well you're this way, or it's and it goes my, for both sides. But my problem is, is you see the way that they govern in Los Angeles, and it's just that's why there's so many major problems in the city. It's because of the the governing of the city. It's so corrupt, and there's so much bullshit, and there's so much, you know, like people like. I was talking to somebody and I was going to wrap this up because we're an hour and 40 in. 
but I was even talking to somebody and they were like, why are there so many homeless people in California? Like, are you, well, hold on. A lot of people think they're moving here or they've moved, they have, <laughs> no. but, but, but here's, but here's one way people get homeless, go homeless in California that people don't even think about people in other cities like Dallas or Houston or, you know, Wichita, Kansas, or even, even Minneapolis, it, it's not as strict, but like the parking restrictions and in Southern California. And even like people don't realize, like, even if you park in front of your own goddamn house once a week and a lot of California, Southern California, even up to San Francisco, I believe this is a rule. You have to move your fucking car for street sweeping. Yeah. And if you don't move it, you, you get, get a ticket. ticket. You get a yep. parking ticket. It's an $85 parking ticket. So can you imagine parking your car right in front of your freaking house? And if you don't move your car between the hours of 4 a.m. and 6 a.m. Mm -hmm. on a Tuesday, every Tuesday, you you'll get a ticket. You'll get a street sweeping ticket. Okay. After you get three sweep street sweeping tickets that you don't pay because keep people get pissed off and go, I ain't paying that shit. And a lot of people are moving here from other states. So they are moving here from other states like Texas, where nobody gives a shit about paying the parking tickets. You know, nobody, nobody, I never even got a parking ticket in Texas. I lived there for 30 years. I never had a parking ticket until I moved to California. So when I first got a parking ticket, I didn't think too much about it. You don't realize the, the, then depths that California will go to, to make sure you pay that parking ticket. And if you don't, and then they, and then you don't realize what you don't realize is if you don't pay the parking ticket, you have 20 days to pay it. If you don't pay it in the first 20 days, it doubles. And if you don't pay it in the next 15 days or something like that, it double, it, it just keeps going up and up and up. So what happens is people will get three parking tickets, not pay them. And then within four months, they owe $700 to the city and yep. then they go try to register their car and yeah. it's seven or $800 plus the, the registration fees, which are crazy as 400 well, bucks. 400 bucks. So like now 2001 you, sedan. Yeah. So now you owe $1,200 to get <laughs> more than the actual car, car costs. Yeah. So now you owe $1,200 to get your car registered. So you can't afford to register it. So now you're driving around with a car that has no tags. Well, what happens is they have these guys, these parking enforcements that run around with this little machine on their car and it scans your license plate. So they scan your plate. They see you got three outstanding tickets, three outstanding tickets. They automatically tow your car, a uh, parking ticket. So three outstanding tickets. Or they put a boot on it. Or they put a boot on it. Uh, and if it's not registered, it immediately gets towed. So then it gets towed. So then what well, you don't realize, okay, well, now it's towed. Well, all of those same payments that you needed to pay the DMV to get your car legal. Now you got to pay that to get it out of tow. My RV got towed here. So, it got towed two times and it cost me almost $3,000 to get it out of tow. First time was 2,200. Yep. And the second time was 600 to get it out of the tow yard. And it got towed within like a month of each of each time for, I could finally get it sold. But so that's what happens. So what happens is people, I, I'm, I have so many friends that are just regular work bartenders or servers or whatever. They've lost their cars. They've lost cars. They've lost cars. They were paying for, they were making payments on and they get, to, it gets taken by the city. And then the city does an auction and auctions it off. It's a racket. They make millions of dollars every year. Off of like, where is that money going? They impound and they keep millions people's cars. Of people. Where is that money going? And they impound. How are they still cars. in debt? How is California? So they impound these cars and they make millions of dollars by selling those cars at auction. 
And, and, but, but what, but my point is, is you have a job. Well, now you don't have a car. How do you get to work? Try to take the bus or whatever. The bus system sucks. So then you don't start. So then you lose your job. So now you've lost your job and you know, it shit rolls downhill. And the next thing you know, you're living in a tent in Venice beach. You know what I mean? A lot of that happens to a lot of people or you lose your car. You start doing drugs because you're depressed or start drinking. And so it, California and, and I really realized this, I had a light bulb moment like three or and a half years ago when I went to Austin. Have you been to Austin lately? Mm-hmm. It's basically a mini- Austin weird. It's, it's little LA. It's in little LA. Little LA. Like the same parking enforcement, the same 10 cent bags at Walmart. It's all the same bullshit that these people in LA. And what makes me want to punch all of them in the throat with the throat punch of death is they leave Los Angeles because they can't afford the shit here. Yeah. And, and they, they hate how there. it's governed. They don't like how they, it's run. And then they go over there and implement the same bullshit they just left behind. And they wonder, they're like, well, it wasn't working here. So we're going to you're going to go ruin that area when you've already ruined this place. It drives me, it drives me crazy. Like for myself, when I moved to California, I, I voted pretty liberal. You know what I mean? Cause I was liberal until I saw like the way they do shit. I'm like, and it takes years of being here to, before the veil is finally pulled back until you actually realize, Oh, this is cause of democratic freaking policy that the schools suck. Like, here's the best one. This is my favorite one. Like the roads are so bad in, in Los Angeles that they're dangerous. Right. And in some places they're dangerous. Terrible. We pay more taxes for road work, for infrastructure, which is basically the roads. We are, we are for gasoline, everything. We pay more taxes for fuel tax, everything than anybody else in the United States. Any other state, we pay the $5 most. Dollars a gallon. We pay the most. Do you know where California's roads rank in the United States? They're probably 40th. 47th. There's 50 states. 47th. The only I've been to every state in the United States. You know what the only state I've ever been to that the roads were worse than than California? Who? Michigan. I believe it. The winters Michigan are so harsh. The, the, winter, not, the winters are so harsh and they don't it's, have It's not the winters. Do you know what? It's the corruption it, to it, fix it. It's not the winters. I thought it was the winter too. Winter. I thought it was the winter as well. I thought it was the winter too, you know, because it's so cold and stuff. It's not. Uh, because if you go over to, if you go to Minnesota, the roads are great. Cause they do them the minute there's two seasons, winter and construction season. Cause they're fixing but, the road for the winter. But, gonna Minnesota, get screwed up again. but Minnesota, the roads are nicer. I mean, Wisconsin's not that bad either. Minnesota's got the nicest roads out of Minnesota, Wisconsin and Michigan. But if you go to Michigan, the reason their roads are so bad is I finally figured this out because they don't have the same regulations for big rigs. If you're a local big rig, oh, they can carry like 150,000 yeah. pounds. Where they a regular big through those right. Where a bit a regular big rig can only carry like 50,000 pounds if they're for coming from out of state. But if you've you've been to Michigan a lot? No, a few if, times. If you Not go to, next time you go to Michigan, look around cuz like the dirt trucks that haul dirt, they'll have like three trailers and like some of their trucks will have like most trucks have like two tires in the back of the trailer. Yeah. We'll have trucks that have like a whole line of tires. They'll have like six They'll let them tires. blow out. 
They, yeah, they let them no, they it, don't have to get it fixed again. No, it's right. because it's because they're hauling so much weight. Oh, and then they're putting that weight on the streets, and the streets are buckling under all of that weight. Like there's roads in Michigan that you'll be in a groove. You're in a groove because it's all of those big trucks, and it's only local trucks that can do that. They can have that, that have the the extra weight limit. Like if you're from out of state, you got to be like a federal law. You can't be overloaded. But for some reason, the state of, of Michigan lets their local trucks has like a, it's like three times the weight limit of what a federal, what the regular federal is. It's crazy, but it just completely trashes their roads because they have these trucks hauling all of this weight that are just buckling the roads under all of the weight of these trucks. And California just has bulls. That the reason they can't fix it. So at least they have a legitimate reason in Michigan. There's well, no I've, reason for that in California. I've actually figured out California. You know, it's not all the fault of California. Because I remember when I first moved here, like there was a, when I very first pulled into town, I went into this underpass. I was like, what in the fuck? Like there was all of this wood. It looked like they were building like a damn uh, train trussle. You know what I mean? For like a train to go over, like a train bridge. Uh, and I couldn't figure out like why there was all of this wood. Cause I mean, I've watched them build overpasses in Dallas, you know what I mean? And they'll put them damn things up overnight. Right. You know, I mean? you'll go through there and there won't be an overpass. And then you go down and there's this big mix mixture, you know, within like two or three days. And then it was taken here in California. It was taking them forever. And then finally I realized like, oh yeah, everything they do here has to be earthquake proof. Yeah, so they're using true. all of these. They're using all of this engineering and all of these different materials. So if there's an earthquake, the shit doesn't just collapse into itself. You know what I mean? That it'll it'll hold, it'll move. Because I was like, why are they using wood in a concrete overpass? That doesn't even make sense. These huge girders. I mean, these ginormous girders. Like the trees got to be like redwoods or something because they were giant. Like four and a half foot wide, you know, and, and it was, and they were all just like toothpicks up under this. And then, and then when they covered it all up, you didn't see any of that wood. It looked like the whole thing was concrete. You Did you was, wake oh, up from that big earthquake that happened recently? What was it like a month ago? Maybe now? Well, here in four in the morning, four in the morning here, here in Fullerton. So check this out. We had, it was only like a 3.4 something like that or 3.6. Right. But it happened in placenta, which is literally like a mile from where I'm sitting. And I was in my chair right here working on my computer, uh, doing something. And it literally felt like somebody picked the building up and dropped it. It felt like somebody picked the building up, like off the ground, like that high and just dropped it. Cause my whole chair went boom. And I was like, what the f was that? I thought like a big truck or something ran into the building. It was my first initial thought, like from the road, you know, yeah. like lost control and ran into the building because the whole building. And then I was like, wait a minute, this building is, even if a train ran into the building, the whole building ain't going to move. I said, that was an earthquake. Is but your building I mean, on rollers or springs? I don't think so, but it might be, it might be, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a, it's an office complex. So there's like four built big buildings that are like two stories. So it, it might, might be, be on rollers. It, it might move around. Yeah. But we had, but for the last couple of, we may have a big earthquake because like for the last couple of months, we've been having here in Fullerton, like very like earthquakes, like little earthquakes all the time. And because I'm a night owl, I'm up at night a lot. So I feel them during the night when everybody else is sleeping. Sleeping, right. You know I mean? Yeah. I mean, they're little, sometimes they're just little tiny. 
the tremors, <laughs> right. Just a little, just a, you know, it's like this, just a little, I mean, nothing even really moves, but you can just feel your body just a, just a little bit. And I'm like, Oh, we're having a little tremor there. Yeah. So, and then, and then we had two, like that one, but there was, was a, the one big one that I, 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 me- I, I immediately looked it up. Uh, on the earthquake thing and it was only like a 3.7 which is not very big but it's because i was right here at the epicenter right. it was placenta yeah i was i was sitting right on top of it so i don't know i mean that's another thing i've waited for the entire time i've been out here is a big one it's just a <laughs> time. it's just funny a because time. the people here i'm like oh i'm from california like oh you have earthquakes and i'm yeah. like we don't you don't really i mean you have you get one every now and then and it's like okay i slept through it but here, I'm like, you guys have hurricanes every Hurricane. year. Like, yeah. What are you going to tell me about and, they, and those hurricanes <laughs> wipe shit out, dude. Yeah. The we, last time California's had a major... Oh, my God. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jinx myself. I got to knock on wood. Yeah. wood. I think this desk is particle wood. This is real wood, <laughs> hopefully. Uh, the last time California had a major uh, earthquake is like 93. Like 1993. I think it was the one up in the valley. Yeah, it was... Uh, yeah. What was the name of that? Like in Tarziana, it's huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, that was where the apartment complex collapsed. And then, mm-hmm. and then before that, it was Oakland. Oakland had a huge. Yeah, they had a huge one up all there. The buildings fell. That happened during the that happened during the World Series or something like that. The what was the earthquake here? It's like a very. It's a, like a. It's in the valley, but it's a famous. I have to Google. I think you're right, though. I'm googling too. I can actually always remember it until I start trying to talk about it. Uh, there's a in Inglewood. There was one in June 23rd, 3.2. Uh, 19, oh, it was 1994. The Northridge one, yeah. Northridge, Northridge, yeah. yeah. It's funny because every time I'm up in the valley and I drive through Northridge up by Van Nuys and up in that area, I'm like, oh my god, I'm in Northridge. This, this is where the big one happened. There was 3.9 today, and yeah, that's what I, just saying, I just saw that, yeah. Inglewood. No, say, Ashland up in San Francisco, there's a 3.9 earthquake. Well, I just put earthquake and it showed one right here. And I think I thought it said Inglewood. There's one. Yeah, there's another one that says Inglewood too. Recently, today. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying today. There was one in Eureka, which is yeah, like out in the water. I didn't even feel those. Riverside I, had one. I've just had a feeling, man, like it's going to be, uh, it's going to be, we're going to have one. It's California's due. Hope you don't fall in the ocean. It's funny because I I put this screen like my, I finally got my whole set up like I want it. So I have a, I have a monitor over here that's like vertical like this, Mm -hmm. but I was using like a big 34 inch curved monitor was my main monitor. But then I, for professional gamers, use like a 27 inch, a smaller straight monitor. Mm -hmm. So I have that in front of me now and I put my big 34 inch up here. So it's way up in the air. And I was thinking, dude, after I got it all up here, I was like, oh, it's perfect. This is great. And then right after that, we had that shocker earthquake oh, and the yeah. whole thing just moved. Yeah. And I thought to myself, dude, if we have a major earthquake, this stuff's just going to get destroyed because yeah. it's too heavy. It'll just fall over and everything will break. So it kind of freaks me out a little bit. Because I mean, don't, it's, don't put that out in the world. You better knock on one again. <laughs> I know. Or, or, or bolt this dust to the floor where it can't flip over. I don't know. But. But, the, you know, like in Texas, I lived in Texas for, didn't you live in Texas too at one time? You just been to Texas. I lived in Atlanta, Chicago, Minnesota, which is where I was born I and was raised. Atlanta. How long, I okay. love Atlanta. Do you? I love Atlanta. 
I had a friend we'll that moved back. I, a, I had a friend that lived in Peachtree City, Georgia, which Peachtree City is it's the rich. It's like the Beverly Hills. Old school money. Yeah, it was old money. Yeah. He worked old for, money. He worked for Hoshisaki Ice Machines, which is crazy because that's a Japanese ice machine company and they're based in Peachtree City, Georgia. Peach. I worked for Turner Sports and I lived in oh. North Druid. You do a lot of sports stuff. Yeah, I love like, sports. I was a D1 like athlete. Doing what? Go not, team. I was a cheer. We were cheer. Okay, you were like, <laughs> the You're the one that got thrown up in the air. You were the you weren't? I actually didn't end up cheering on the sideline because I refused to get thrown up in the air. Oh, because you don't like heights? Because I don't want to hurt my head. I've seen oh, yeah, yeah. Get dropped in your head. Yeah. yeah. I was, I was like, also a girl in high school, and if you didn't hold your weight, I'd probably drop you because I'm not going to be doing all the work. Right. Oh, I was like, karma will get me, and it did. So I went to Big Ten school, and I, yeah. Where'd you go to college at? Went to Iowa. Oh, did you? Wow. Hawkeyes. Uh, go Hawks. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome horn. I've lived, I've lived all like all over California. Yeah. Yeah. Now Florida. How long did you live in California? Seven years. Eight, eight years. That's quite a bit. And where'd you Three and a half in LA, four in San Diego. When you moved to California, where'd you move from? Where were you living? From Chicago. Before? I was living in Chicago. Girl, you've lived. You're not, you're only 29. I know. I just am ADD. I'm like, I want to go everywhere and do more, everything. You're more nomadic than I am. <laughs> oh, I've lived in Brazil twice too. What? I studied abroad there and I loved it so much that I went back. Holy shit. Mm -hmm. Loved it. I'd go back again. Good food. Beautiful people. The people there are just stunning. Beyond were, uh, were you in Sao Paulo or were you in Sao Paulo? I was in Rio for a while and yeah. then a place called Sao Bento. And then my favorite place is Parachi. It's did you spelled go to like Copacabana. Oh, I did go to Copacabana, Ipanema. Yeah. I had, a I had a girlfriend from Sao Paulo. Oh, it's beautiful. She was so beautiful. Probably she was stunning. Beautiful. She's probably just stunning. She didn't she didn't have the regular Brazilian features though, you know what I mean? She, she didn't had, have a fat ass. Um, <laughs> yeah. no, I, mean, I don't want to swear now because I'm going to call them like <laughs> she didn't have the overly fat ass you know what I mean yeah. but she was gorgeous I met her in Miami <laughs> sounds yeah. about right yeah, I met her in Miami that's where I met her <laughs> crazy well anyway girl we're running out I've I know. I don't my dog I've, is like take me out please I don't think I've ever done a two hour podcast have I ever done a two hour podcast guys I don't think I've ever done a two hour podcast so. but it was awesome having you on here we'll have to have you back yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this. Um, I was so nervous when I got on because I've so never funny. done a live podcast, so I didn't really know what to expect. But you have a podcast. Let's plug your because you're starting I, your own podcast, and it's medium called rare millennials. Medium rare medium, millennials. You're pretty medium rare people. So are you up? Are you uploading to or just to YouTube, or do you have it going through uh, like uh, Spotify or anything yet? Spotify. Anywhere you can get podcasts, so Spotify, uh, audio, yeah, yeah. audible, audio, audible, um, but, but, you do have a, but you do have a YouTube channel for it as well. I haven't gotten, and I'm trying to drop the ball on that. We've re recorded it, but I haven't mm -hmm. gotten enough. That's not where our platform is. It's pretty okay. much recording. Um, actually, the reason, the reason I ask you is because I'll try to put a link to where you want to link it in the description of this 
oh, I can send you the link to the Spotify. Yeah. Yeah, send me a link to it and Spotify. I'll link it. I'll link it down below guys in the description. Yeah. And when, Instagram. And when to, I don't really use social media. I use Instagram. That's pretty much it. Tiny black. Oh, we were supposed to talk it. about clubhouse and we didn't even talk about clubhouse except for the fact we met there. Well, we can save that for the next one. We can save that for the next one. And if you come back to LA, you can actually come into the studio here and we could actually do it in the studio. I would love that. Cause that's how I set this thing up at the beginning. Cause I thought I was going to have people to come in, but it's impossible with the pandemic and everything, it's been impossible to get people to come in. So I finally started paying for the software so I could have people remotely like yourself. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I'm grateful. Hey, <laughs> I had a really fun time. All right, guys, random nomad. Let's get back to the chat really quick. See who we got here. Trav man, random nomad, uh, monster John. That's so funny. My, my buddy monster John, uh, I met him playing call of duty. He's on Twitch. Uh, Trav's man, all you guys, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. And uh, that is going to do it for this episode of the American Nomad podcast. I want to thank my guest again, Kelly. Thank you so Hi, much. Thank sure you, last Yeah, Olin. I, didn't, I don't put oh. it. No one can pronounce it. I'm Swedish. I say Olin. Yeah, I they say Olin. It's Olin. I'm Swedish. Olin. So yeah, so if, if it's if it's Olean, it should be spelled O L E E N. In Europe, especially in <laughs> Sweden and in the Nordic countries, the I makes the E sound. So you that's, see, that's how Texas I am. I'm going to sit here and tell you how you should actually spell your, your own name. I've had people kidding. be like, there needs to be an apostrophe, and like, where they're like, yeah. oh, apostrophe, and it should be L E A N. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. good. So it's Olean, Kelly Olean. All right. Which I know you as Tiny Blonde Kelly. Your Instagram. <laughs> Give me to put your Instagram, link your Instagram as well. Yeah, you can okay. do that. That's fine. I'll, I'll link both the podcast and the Instagram in the description for you guys. So you can go check out Kelly, uh, when she's not even on the podcast, when she's doing her own thing and, and uh, her Instagram stories and stuff. Anyway, guys, that's going to do it for this episode. And let me hit that in outro. Thank you for listening to the American Nomad Podcast. Until next time, keep looking up because that's where it all is. Thanks, guys. We will see you guys Wednesday, 7, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Until then, have a great one. Bye, thank you. <laughs>